right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back into the No Laying Up podcast. My name is Randy. I am joined by two associates today. We are talking LPGA. We're talking women's golf. Going to be a fun episode. Uh, First, Mr. Cody McBride, live from somewhere in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Good morning, Cody. Thanks for joining. Good morning, Biggie. Happy to be here Finally turning weather-wise. I know you're getting some fresh powder, though, out there in Denver still, but I'm excited to be here to talk a little ladies' golf. Pumped, man. Wonderful. And then also joining us from Jacksonville, Florida, Tron Carter, Mr. TC. Good morning to you, sir. Good morning to my esteemed colleagues. We've got the garage door open today. Weather is great. Golf season is is heating up. Wonderful. Uh, before we dive into the episode today, I want to thank our sponsor, and that is FootJoy. As the LPGA season kicks into gear, we want to talk about our friends at FootJoy, the official shoe for no laying up. FootJoy is the number one shoe at the Honda LPGA Thailand, and honestly, it's the number one shoe at just about every level of women's golf. It's the number one shoe on the LPGA, the Ladies' European Tour, at the NCAA Women's Championships, at the Women's Amateur the National High School Golf Championships. The list goes on and on. And a big part of it is that FootJoy only makes golf shoes and has for nearly 100 years. And when they make them for women, they make them in more sizes, more styles, and more options than anyone else. And they make them specifically for women with unique elements designed to maximize their performance and comfort. Players who care about their game care about what's on their feet. And whether it's women, Men or juniors, professionals or amateurs, more of those players lace up a pair of foot joys when they get ready to play. Just like Jess Corda, Danielle Kang, Bronte Law, and half of every LPGA tournament field, we at No Laying Up are also among the nation of players who trust their game to the overwhelming number one shoe in golf, foot joy. Thank them for sponsoring these episodes. I'll be honest, the, uh, some of the ladies' styles in foot joy... They need to bring those to the men's They're side. fire. I knew you were going to say that. <laughs> there's like a leopard print. There's So there's, good. <laughs> there's some really, really like fire stuff on the ladies' side. Yeah. Real quick, it's, it's, of course, thanks to Title is Foot Joy, everybody over there. But TC, have you been, you've been the Dry Joy guys for a long, long time. Have you been, has the collection been gro- growing? What's going on here? Give people yeah. an update. Just got the, the Metalwood collab last week. Um I'm going down to New Zealand next month, and they sent me some some spikeless ones as well. Uh, I've normally struggled with spikeless in the past, so I'm going to give those a try. Uh, I guess spikeless is, is is real big down there. Um, but yeah, the collection's growing. I'm trying to keep it under control, though. My mother-in-law is always on me. She helps me. Kind of, she's got me on like a one-in-one-out policy as far as clothing and uh, and shoes. That's so on the one out, just so people are, are listening, are these donations or these, these you're giving them away to the great people of Jacksonville beach. What's going on? He throws them in the uh, ocean. A little bit of, <laughs> a little bit of both. Uh, you know, it's, uh, shoes are tough cause it's, you know, it's size based or whatnot, but, 
Uh, As are mostly, close. Yeah, it's mostly the my my old shoes that are that are non Foot Joy being being donated. I'm not giving any of my Foot Joys away. <laughs> well, good. And don't don't hit them up in the DMs. Don't be that guy. I've already had some people asking me about all sorts of crazy stuff. But <laughs> Biggie, I'm pumped, man. Are we are we ever going to get this LPGA season like started? Oh my god, or what what's going on? I know it's tough. We, uh, we, of course, we had the Tournament of Champions last month down in Orlando, and then we got to wait a month. We have the Thailand Classic kicking off. Well, when most of these people, when most of our listeners are listening to this, it will have already kicked off. Um, we have a couple, couple events here. It was supposed to be three. The, the event in China got canceled. But then we, we got to take a little time off, but then we really get going in earnest next month at the Drive-On Championship out in Arizona. So we're getting we're getting close, but yeah, it's it's um it's a weird weird start of the schedule. You know, kind of start stop, start stop, start. The uh, Ladies Bone Saw Invitational on the European Tour back to back with the What About China uh open <laughs> <laughs> would have would have been a wild uh Wild back to back between the two tours, but better for the ladies trying to get around. I mean, who wants to yeah. fly all the way back across the world again? So, TC, I think that's a good place to start. I mean, the um, the as you called it, the the ladies bone saw invitational, officially known as the Saudi Ladies International, uh, was was last weekend. Guys, Lydia Ko. Um, she appears to be picking up right where she left off at the end of 2022. She won this event by one stroke, a little, a little, um, a little intrigue at the end, little, uh, she, she played the 18th hole. She was in a bit of trouble, was, was looking a little shaky, but pulled out a par to, to win by one stroke. Lilia Vu's got to be kicking herself. She bogeyed 18. Would have finished in a tie with a birdie. But yeah, let's uh, let's start here at the at the Lady Saudi. I think, like I said, the big takeaway, Lydia Ko, she has won now three of her last four starts worldwide. She's back to number one in the world. She's married. It, it seems like all things are pointing towards a huge year with Lydia Ko and I think it's great for women's golf. I think it's great for golf, period. I think the big thing is, like, guys, I, I, it's time for her to win another major is my big takeaway. Is that a concern for you? You don't think she has the form, form this year to get it done? No, it's not a concern. I, th- I think she absolutely has the form. I think she just has to do it. I think this year is shaping up to be something that, like, the LPGA Tour hasn't, hasn't had in a long, long time, and that's, like, dominant truly dominant performers. And we talk, you know, stacking Lydia with Nelly with Brooke, like having them being able to separate themselves from the pack. And that's before you add on any of these other, you know, not even up and comers, but people who are, are still top 20 players in the world that automatically will contend week in and week out. Like I, th- I truly would, would like a word. Exactly. Like I truly think that like, you're going to see a true like lift and shift of the top five players in the world. Against everyone else. What, who would you include in that five? You mentioned three. Yeah, I'd say for sure Minji. So, all right. So, Lydia. No Korean women? That's, I mean, I think that's the yeah. big the big variable. List your five, Cody. I'm going to come back because this wasn't a fully <laughs> fleshed out take. I'm standing no, strong like in my three right now. I like it. Okay. I'll, I'll come up with, with two more names. Also, I just want to say from the, from the ladies' bone saw, Lexi 
Shot 63-66 on the weekend. Got off to a poor start. 72 in the first round, but 63-66. Uh, she appears to be playing very good golf or, as well. Or TC, was she freed up because her first two rounds, she, she was... That's true, too. It could be like a vintage Kuchar situation. Yeah, that's... You know, backdoor, top five kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, uh, that 63 on Saturday was impressive, though. I will say that. Guys, it's like it's such a bummer how much Royal Greens. Like we can talk about all the <clears throat> geopolitical and you know human rights stuff and all that, but on a purely golf level, it's just wild how like shitty of a golf course Royal Greens is. And like, there's two events there a year, or really, you know, more than that now with Live. It's like there's there's like it's it's hosting more professional golf events than like any course in the world right now, and it fucking stinks. Very, very wide. Even when you get in the desert, like, it's not penal at all. Uh, and the only thing that's really protecting you is when the wind does start to, to blow. But I don't know. I agree with you. Um, I think one thing to note here before we, we dive into more architecture talk is the fact that this was a, the first time that they had equal purses for a men's and women's event. A $5 million purse, which is crazy. The largest purse on the ladies' European tour by far. And something that I mentioned in the preview podcast is just Saudi PIF and Aramco uh, continuing to get into the LET and seeing kind of what that fully devolves into. Because I, I made a bold prediction that at the end of the year, like I'm pretty sure that the ladies European tour would be a okay if it was completely presented by Aramco. Yeah. It seems like it might that, as well be right. Yeah. It, it, it seems like it is already headed that way. Um, they, I, I don't, I haven't done the purse breakdown, but if you look at you know total money available on the LET this year, the money from uh, the Aramco events, both the the, the Saudi Ladies International and the <coughs> excuse me, and the Team Series events through the year, it's just night and day different than their other non-Aramco events. So, the more I've thought about. Like live and live dipping their toe into women's golf, it, it seems like the their best avenue is is just through the ladies' European tour, really, and yeah. I, I I think they're they're finding legitimacy in, in the with the ladies' European tour, and then I think that the interesting thing is down the line with with the LPGA being so worldwide as is, you know, it's it's easy to imagine a scenario where the LET and the LPGA simply combine and you have this global women's golf tour, which yeah. I think Aramco is going to be a big part of. Um, there's, yeah, there's I mean, no way around that. You know, I know the commissioner's talking to them. They're, she has to take the call, right? It's They're in a much different position. Um, yeah, it's going to be interesting to watch. And I know like some of the, some of the, you know, biggest women's golfers in the world are, already sponsored by Aramco or have played in the team series events and, you know, they're already dipping their toe into that and would be the first ones to jump ship. Uh, you know, so a couple other notes just on the, on the, on the leaderboard, uh, Lynn Grant played really bad. Uh, that was kind of a shock, uh, 72, 78 for her. Hmm. Uh, maybe she's just been hanging out in Sweden and, you know, polishing some rust off the game in this event, but, that was uh, that was pretty pretty jarring to see because I, I think one of my predictions was for her to be a top five player or like the top like the number one player in the world by the end of the year. 
And I think the week prior, kind of defend her a little bit. Didn't she take second the week prior to Aditi? She or am I wrong? Um, Aditi's playing some freaking golf. Yeah, she is. We, we got to talk about her. God, the, the uh, Ladies European Listen, Tour website is so this, bad. Thank you. I was just going to say, this is impossible. So, Lynn Grant finished runner-up to Maya Stark the week prior. In, uh, and then Aditi won the Magical Kenya Ladies Open. Correct. But the young Swedish generation is coming between Lynn and Maya. They have some others Linnea in the pipeline. Yeah, they have yeah. some others in the pipeline. Watch out for the Swedish women. Well, Cody, where uh, where do where do we want to go here? Do we want to dive into the the geopolitical conversation around the the event and why it's such a I think such a difficult decision for the women whether to play in it or not? Do we want to, Cody? Have you finalized your your five golfers that are going to lift and separate? Where where do you want to go right now? <laughs> Let's Thank go you. geopolitical first. And oh, we, okay, and Thank then talk you. talk, you know. Get super golfy for the second half here. All right. Let me let me start this by asking you guys a question. And we've we've talked about it a little bit already. But do you guys are you able to see and, and maybe give people a little bit of an out here by separating what is a PIF investment, what is an Aramco investment, what is live golf? Like, are you guys able to see through and kind of parse theirs? In, in what is where you guys are kind of your optics are coming from, or is this all kind of batched in the same? I think there are differences for me. I, th I think, I mean, going back to, gosh, what was it, five, six years ago, whenever we saw that first wave of PGA players starting to skip, it was always usually the waste management on the PGA side when, when they, you know, I, and I remember specifically when Phil Mickelson decided to skip the waste management and go play in the Saudi international on the men's side, that really made me upset. And it made me upset, not because it was a Saudi tournament per se, but here's a guy Mickelson who had great success at Arizona state is beloved in Scottsdale, Phoenix area. Obviously, has a great chance to win a lot of money at the waste management year to year, has made a ton of money on the PGA Tour. For him to kind of turn his back on what I think is like, hey, there are 500,000 people that want to celebrate you, Phil, in, in Scottsdale. Like, this is, like, these are your people. For him to eschew all that, take the money, go play in Saudi, that rubbed me the wrong way. And Really, that Saudi tournament could have been anywhere else in the world, and I still would have been the same level of upset because I I thought it was a, a, a dumb decision on his part, really a greedy decision to go take appearance fee money um, and, and miss out on the Scottsdale tournament. On the women's side, I, I think – so let me backtrack a little bit. I, I think what I'm trying to say is I've always kind of separated the – Saudi international golf event, both on the PGA Tour, the LET, from what's happening with Live Golf. In my opinion, you know, if if folks want to go over and play the the Saudi international tournament, that's fine, right? I can I can be upset 
in circumstances like with Mickelson, where I think, man, it just makes so much sense for him to play in Scottsdale. On the women's side this year, quite honestly, with no LPGA event going on, I don't blame any of them one bit for going and playing in a one-off tournament in Saudi Arabia. Where I got upset, I think, is with Live Golf being, in my opinion, completely funded by Saudi Arabia. It, it just feels like more of a, and I know people are probably sick of this word as I am, it feels more of like a sports washing operation with like, hey, yeah, we're going to try to do this golf league, but really we're just trying to launder our reputation. So until the day comes where there's a live type league for women and LPGA players start leaving the LPGA to go play in that league, um, I, I will... I can't get mad at them for going and playing for a $5 million purse in Saudi Arabia. Because as you said, Cody, the, 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 the PIF, right? The PIF, it's got its tentacles everywhere in our society. You, you can't escape it. So I, I, do I wish it was different? Yeah, sure. I wish it was different. But man, it's, it's so intertwined and intertangled that it seems like a fool's errand. So I... I this is very long-winded, but I don't have an issue at all with any of the LPGA players going over and playing in the Saudi event. I feel like I, I don't know what to think. On the one hand, and that's a okay to say. Yeah, no, it's like I, I feel like my, my opinion on it changes. I do have, I've, I don't have a problem with the ladies' European tour, ladies playing because it's like, all right, like if you don't play in one of the like the, the highest purse event of your entire season on your tour, you're going to fall behind. You're going to, you know, it's like the ends versus the means on that front. And then, you know, you may not have a career if you, you know, if you fail, like if you fail to play in this one, it's going to affect your season. You may not keep your card, all that stuff. But on the other hand, like George Savarikas and, and uh, Eamon Lynch had a great back and forth about it on golf channel this week about, you know, George was saying like, Hey, like morals are morals. Right. And if you, if you've taken a moral stand against this, but now, but now the circumstances change with the purse or with it being a sanctioned event, like that, that shouldn't change what your moral stand was either. So like, I, I think my overriding thing is, so, so first things first, ladies, European tour members, you know, I think they're, I can see them playing in it. I have, more of a problem with the with the LPGA tour players like going over and playing in it, but less of a problem with them playing in it versus PGA tour players who like this is you know like Liv has has come and tried to destroy the PGA tour right, and you've got you know or like you know try to put a dent in the PGA tour and steal players and all that stuff. Where I feel like on the ladies' side, it hasn't been the same tactic or the same like they're not trying to upset the structure of the LPGA tour at least not yet right so it's like the PGA tour players that have gone over and played in the Saudi international like they're still aiding and abetting setting aside all the human rights stuff and all the Saudi Arabia stuff you're still aiding and abetting like this other entity that's trying to take money off off the table of your main tour um I think the thing that just bums me out is like, there's no fans. The golf stinks. There's, it, it's just totally juiceless. And like, it does feel soulless. 
Yeah, I totally Yeah, agree. it's like, what's the point, right? And, like, even if it's, you know, like, you know, I saw something that, like, Saudi Arabia is doubling down on uh, punishment for, you know, people speaking out on social this media. Is. Yeah, and, and it's, you know, it's like, all right, cool, like, so Dustin Johnson and Bryce are going to go play with MBS. And you know what? He's going to totally change his mind on that. Like, you know, that old thing's totally Well, for the, for the nature of this podcast, let's say that Lexi and add another. Uh, I want to try to keep this as, as focused on the ladies as we possibly okay. can because I think you can interchange them and you'll still get the same outcome. Where I get to with it is I think inevitably the Saudis are going to get bored with golf. Right, they're going to get bored with live. They're going to get bored with, and you know what's even easier to close up shop is the Aramco Team Series or the Ladies Saudi International. And at what point does that leave? You know, like it's like who's funding golf? That's always been my big thing with live and with everything. It's like should should a, a nation state have a seat at the table with? RNA and the USGA and the PGA of America and the PGA tour and the LPGA who are, you know, you can argue and nitpick all you want, but are, who are truly stewards of the game versus a nation state who has a completely different set of priorities here. And as soon as the price of oil dips back down and, you know, let's say a Ramco does their, their IPO and all that. And, you know, there's more seats at the table, a Ramco slashes their marketing budget uh, and distances themselves from, you know, the piff a little bit on that regard. Like, what's to say that they're just not going to leave ladies golf high and dry? Like, that's that's my main thing. And, you know, people could say on the flip side, hey, you got to, you know, get while the getting's good and, and kind of ride the hot hand and, and squeeze every bit of money out of it right now and then figure it out when that inevitably does happen. But I don't know. It's just, it's kind of a, a question of, of why. Right. It's I come back to the why. Why are they doing this? And whether that's live or Saudi International or whatever, um, you know, and sure, certainly you could probably say the same thing with the Dubai events or any of the Middle Eastern events. But at the end of the day, like there's fans at those events. Like I've been to the Abu Dhabi event. It's like it's like a legitimate golf tournament. Right. Like and, and you know, there's a lot there's a lot of fans at those events. They're good. They're good golf tournaments. There's no fans at Royal Greens. It's it's a terrible product. I, I would venture, Cody, I want to give you the floor here because <laughs> you have a unique perspective. Uh, but I just wanted to add, I, I get the sense, you know, when we talk about this this Saudi event specifically, um, and I'm curious to, to talk to some of the players that went over there, but, but my sense is it's probably not even like an enjoyable trip for them, right? It, it's got to be very weird. I have to imagine it's not like they're going out and and just feel free to like explore and see sites like they do anywhere else. So it's like from the player's perspective, yeah, you 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 have a chance to earn a lot of money, and I I get why that's the motivating factor. But it's not even like, Toronto, to your point. It's like there are no fans enjoying the event. I, I suspect the players aren't. It's not really an enjoyable week for them. So yeah, it's like at the end of the day, like what are, what are we doing? Cody and like uh, yeah. on the men's side, at least they've got the yacht that they can go out yeah, onto right. offshore and do it, you know, and they got all the hookers and blow and stuff out there. Whereas like, I don't think they're providing that for the ladies. Yeah. Cody, you tell us, man, you, you have such unique perspective given your, your past career and everything 
that way. So what what are what are your overriding thoughts here? Well, I think the where you guys are coming from is very normal and I like having these discussions because I think, you know, people's perspectives, their point of views, they change over time and that is a okay. You know, if 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 you are not uh, seeking out and taking new information and, and analyzing that and trying to figure out where you're coming from and where your new stance is, you just become another one of the little trolls who are just marching along with the same picket, you know, sign going, saying the same thing over and over and there's no real change. And and changing your stance and your optic on it is, is A-OK. I would say the first thing that I would like to point out is Anna Norquist. She changed. For a long time, she was probably the person on the lady side who got the most heat about rocking a Ramco or a Golf Saudi logo. She had it on her bag. She wore headwear. She had it on her clothing. And she realized that no matter what the money was worth, that the amount of heat, the backlash that she got, it was not worth it. And that is A-OK. And it's also A-OK, in my opinion, for anyone else to reach out and say, Ramco wants to sponsor me. Let's put this and figure out what is what is this actually worth to me? Because if you look at the money that's available in women's professional golf, it is like decibel points compared to men or, or anything else. It's, it's ridiculous. Big, I'm going to go back to what you kind of ended your thought with, is that gearing up for the... Lady Saudi event was the first time ever that I had multiple LPGA players reach out to me and say, hey, I know you, I, I've listened, I know you've been over here, can you please walk me through what to expect and, and go from there? And not just people that are close to the brand, but others that were completely random DMs. And I provided them all the information that I possibly could, and I frame it with King Abdullah Economic City truly is, is it, it, and I say it's a propaganda village because it was it's built to not host local Saudis. The reason why it's there is because that was their first attempt at what an actual resort town possibly could look like. So what I would say is, and I asked the, the ladies who were there, did they feel comfortable? They've, I'm sure they felt comfortable on the golf course because there's nobody else out there with them. And there was nobody else out there with them until the weekend when people were actually bussed out from Riyadh or anyone else to come and watch them play. But that is not the real experience that you get. And I know that's not the experience that they are used to as these women continue to travel the globe and they go to awesome destinations and they're able to go out and see the sights and experience the culture. What's the point of traveling if you're not experiencing the culture? And this week when they went out, there was no culture to experience because it's completely whitewashed. It's westernized for a reason, to look good on TV, to make sure that everybody's safe. And it's okay to change your stance when it comes to the money. But what is not okay is if you take a hard stance, and, and I'm going to be hard on some players here who have been very, very vocal in opposition of Saudi, and it, it, I don't care if you put Golf Saudi, Aramco, or anybody else's investment into the game of golf. If you are brave enough to stand out there and say how horrible and atrocious all these actions are that the government of Saudi Arabia does, and then you have a change based off of the amount of money that is put into the Ladies European Tour, 
and realize that you professionally will not be able to survive unless you play in these events, that is okay. But you're going to get heat from it. You're going to get blowback from it. All right? And there's there's reasons why. It's because the ladies that are making these decisions, the ladies that made the decision to go play there, have that option. The ladies that currently live in Saudi Arabia, the ones who everybody wants to send out GoFundMes or donate to this group or anything else like that, those links that you send out are still overseen by the government of Saudi Arabia. All right? And those women that live there, Saudi nationals, that are still under Sharia law every single day. All right? There is nothing that golf is going to do to change that. And everybody has to realize that. This isn't about business. This isn't about politics. This is about religion for them. Because it is intertwined with their daily activities. And everybody needs to like flat start at that point and realize that what we are used to in the Western world and the, and the majority of every other country in this world the freedoms that women have are never going to be experienced in a country that practices Sharia law. And if you start at that baseline and realize what you're attempting to do to grow from there, like that would create a little bit more honesty in the things that you are saying. All right? It is one thing to be able to walk on the street. It's one thing to finally be able to take your burqa or your schmog off. It's one thing to be able to drive a car, but when you're still actively persecuted because of the gender that you were born into, there's something wrong with that. And there is nothing that any of this stuff involved in golf will do to change that because that's just how it is. That is the sect of Islam that they believe in. Those are the rules and the bylaws that they have chosen to experience. That is where this whole thing is coming from. So first, acceptance of that. On top of that, there is so much money. I, I don't blame Lydia. I don't blame Lexi. I don't blame any of the LET or, or LPGA girls for going and playing because it was a hole in the schedule, just like you guys said. Maybe I would have a different stance if there was an LPGA event and they chose to go do this. But... I would say on the flip side of that, to the LPGA Tour, do better. Create a schedule. Right. Find Which we sponsors. talked about on the last one, right? Of like the, you know, like having having these ladies fire their schedule back up to go to the Orlando Tournament of Champions event. Right. And then, and then not having another tournament for a month is fucking ridiculous. You know? About a $5 million ladies purse that's a non-major. And, and I know we're going to get to an, an amazing article that was written about the... Does the amount of money that the purse is in constitute it becoming a major, which I do not think, I do not agree with that stance at all. But all of this goes back to the fact that for some reason, the Ladies European Tour, based off of the assistance of Aramco, Golf Saudi, PIF, whoever you want to say, are willing to put up this money to support the ladies. And if people on the LPGA Tour have an issue with that, go, go to your sponsors and say, we need more. It trumps the vast majority of events that run on the LPGA Tour. So when you're, when you're putting these girls in this situation, 
it's not it's not a like a, a greed thing for them. And I love the fact where George and Eamon came from this. And George was very, very firm pointing out the hypocrisy in Eamon. And rightfully so. But it, it, it's not a, a greed thing for them. It's literally them trying to not, not survive, but live a competitive schedule. Now back to Megan. And I'm talking about Megan McLaren because she put herself out there and it was a, a tough, tough stance to take. And people say, if you don't like it, there's other tours that she could go play on. Well, she did. She came to the United States. She played on the Epson Tour. She's tried to get her LPGA Tour card. And it didn't work. And there's a lot of things tied to that. A lot of it is just being away from home. I don't blame her for going and playing the LET full-time. I don't blame her for going and playing in any Aramco-sponsored event at all. The same thing with Lauren. One of our young hitters went and played. Last year, another one of our young hitters played in a Ramco event in New York City. I have no issues with it. Because at the end of the day, like, what are we expecting these women to do? And I am okay saying that is a difference. And if that makes me a hypocrite, I'm okay. I'm still going to sleep fine at night because I can see the difference between that versus going to Mayakoba and worrying about what I'm going to do with my $300 million that they just gave me. So you, you, you brought up Meg McLaren. I think she deservedly is a poster child for this whole issue. Um, she has changed her mind, which, Cody, I agree. There, there is nothing wrong with changing your mind. I, I think it, in most instances, it's, it's a very powerful thing to do. But just to kind of give some background, a couple years ago, January 2020, she came out publicly and said she was not going to play the event in Saudi Arabia. I'm quoting her. I've decided not to play based on what I think sport is being used to do in Saudi Arabia. It's far more complicated than any one individual, so it's a personal decision and not something I would push onto anyone else. But based on the research of organizations like Amnesty International, I couldn't be comfortable being part of that process. We take for granted a lot of the choices and freedom we have available to us, but I try to make my decisions based on who I am as a person, not just a golfer. It's obviously a huge tournament for us, but this to me is about more than golf. I wish sport as a whole looked through a lens deeper than what benefits itself. So that's what she said in 2020. Um, Cody, as you said, you know, she's, she's, been competing on the let she's come over to the states and participated in the in uh, the lpga q series has not earned her card and then we fast forward to this january three years later and megan uh, through her twitter said quoting her i'll be playing the next run of sorry I'll, I'll quote the whole thing this winter has pushed me harder than ever before and i've loved every second of it i'm looking forward to another season on the let and I'll be playing my first event in just over a week in Morocco. I'll be playing the next run of events after that, including Saudi and other Aramco events that fit how I see my season going. There have been reasons I haven't done so in the past, and while most of my feelings haven't changed, sport has only become ever more intertwined with politics. I will always believe it is better to look rather than to look away, but the world is more powerful than single individuals with limited scope for change. Using these competitive opportunities and doing what is necessary to be the best golfer I can be is quite probably my best route to increasing my platform, voice, and financial status. 
What I then choose to do with that platform, voice, and financial status will hopefully make this world a better place in the long run. And that will always be my aim. So how do you, how, yeah, how do, it's tough. What I would say is that Megan went on to miss the cut and didn't make a dime on the trip. But I guarantee you she learned a ton about herself, not only from putting herself out there and changing her stance, but vocalizing it and then trying to do something about it on the back end. And I appreciate her stating that it, it truly was, I mean, even it was listed at the bottom of the list, a financial decision, which is A-OK to say. That's what so I respect Cody, you were most, saying earlier, right? like the, like the George, George and Amon thing. You were saying you agree with George, but you're taking the stance of Amon, I think, where George was saying, like, you shouldn't change your mind, and if you believe in something, you believe in it. Whereas Amon was like, hey, I, you know, I see the... I see the gray area here and I see, you know, and I'm not, I'm kind of right in the middle. I don't know what to think, right? It's like a, you know, you're damned if you do, damned if you don't kind of thing. It's, it's truly this, two shitty decisions, you know, this two, is a hard, two shitty outcomes. Yeah. This is a hard place to be at because what you're saying is that we're also like, we're, we're on this podcast, we're supposed to provide opinion on, on, I guess, the girls and these ladies' decisions to go. But what is like my decision? What what do I believe in? Like I I I have a hard time getting past. Like I I have a huge issue with Sharia law. I've seen the horrible things that it has done in countries across the world. I've saw a new country pop up in front of my eyes, and because of my job, I had to go invade that made up country and go like do stuff as part of my older job. Like, it sucks. I've seen the hardship of it. It, it. Sharia law is horrible. Horrible, horrible, horrible. Because at the end of the day, no matter what you look, the way that the Quran is written is that a woman is less than. It, a woman is a tool. All right? The only reason why women are, are in this world is strictly for breeding. All right? And it doesn't matter what advances you make as a society— it's they take a very very traditional route in their their views and opinions and if you want to look out of the flip side of that look at like you know dubai or abu dhabi where people i've been in multiple flights i've flown all over the middle east and seen women get on board flights it doesn't matter if you're coming from turkey iraq syria jordan lebanon you name it they'll get on a flight in a complete burqa head to toe covered and as soon as you clear their airspace going into Dubai, it is a massive train of women to the back to change their clothes, and they'll come out wearing as Western clothes as you can possibly imagine. Dubai for a long time has been considered the Las Vegas of the Middle East for that reason, because you, you see how things can, can go, and their easing of how they interpret the Quran has changed drastically over time. But that's how I feel. But again, like I cannot put my views and opinions and, and try to analyze any of these other people. We're all hypocrites in this whole thing, right? Yeah, there's no there there nobody has the the high ground, and I think that's that was the question or or the point that I want to bring up is I think Meg Megan has taken a lot of heat and. It's both deserved in some respects because of her very public prior stance, 
But it's also like I respect her being open and honest through all of this. I, I have much more respect for how she has gone about it than if somebody just wants to be totally, I'm just going to pretend none of this is a problem. I'm just going to go get my money and come back. Like you're, you're certainly entitled to that too. But if you're asking me like wh- who I respect more, I, I'm, I, I think Megan's the much more interesting person. She's being more human, more vulnerable, more, more, more open. But yeah, there, there's just at the end of the day, there's there's just no high ground for anybody to take, I don't think. Yeah, it's a tough tough thing for the sport at large. I think the, the other thing, I mean, going back to what you said earlier, Cody, of you know what this is about and why they're doing this, I think obviously religion is, is at the forefront, but what they're trying to do is normalize relationships with the kingdom of Saudi Arabia for business purposes as well. Right. They're trying to give cover to businesses, you know, make it say, hey, we we host Formula One, we host ladies golf tournaments. They're trying to normalize their their appearance to the world. You know, that's whether that's sport washing or just PR, whatever there's that's a PR, that's a public relations play, you know, whatever you want to call it. Um, again, on the golf side, it, it just comes back to me of like all right, are you actively biting the hand that feeds with your current tour? And like you said, Randy, with with the Waste Management or Pebble Beach or whatever tournament was opposite the Saudi International, and there's a there's a tournament sponsor putting up $10, 15 $20 million to host a tournament on the PGA Tour, and you're actively spitting in their face and and, and flying to the other side of the world and, and probably going to, not play well for the next few weeks afterwards too, and skip some more events to do that. That's, that's a different conversation than, Hey, we don't have a tournament for five weeks. I'm going to, I'm going to go do this in my free time <laughs> kind of thing. And, and when they just use the, the, the most tired grow the game platitude, right. To, to kind of shield all of it. Well, we're, we're just trying to grow the game. That's what really makes my blood boil. Like get the fuck out of here. Like, just say it's about the money. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Do you think, uh, so if we go flip to the men's side real quick, is this what they originally tried to do with the European tour? I think so. I mean, it's basically like, you know, the, the European tour, I mean, the Saudi International was a sanctioned event on the European tour for the first, what, three or four years of its existence. Um, you know, the only difference, I guess, is the fact that the PGA Tour had events opposite it, um, you know, like on their schedule versus right, but the, the PGA Tour doesn't. Of you know? course, but like, so if we go back and, and I'm trying to, what, where I'm going to get to this is that what I think that they're doing, their investment into the women's game is very successful for them right now. Oh, they're getting and, far more bang for their buck out of that than they are for the billions of dollars they're letting on fire with, right. with live. You know? Right, for sure. And I go back to like knowing that the European tour had basically an offer from wh- whatever Saudi element we want to say that it was coming from and the PGA tour. And this is where the strategic alliance came from ultimately. Um, and, and just wondering like how different this whole thing would be right now 
Because if you if you look, like, I don't really envision a live-like circuit for the ladies. I don't think they need to do that. Like, they, they can literally just say, oh, okay, well, now we're, like, we just control the ladies' European tour. And we're yeah, they're just have, leveraging the current infrastructure. Yeah, we're going to have bigger purses, and we already have events in the States, and we'll put a couple events. You know, we already have Asian events, and we'll throw an Australian event on there. And, and hey, we can even have a joint event with Live if we want. And, like, it's it's such an easier path for them. And it always goes back to, like, when you look at the Live side of it, like, wow, what the difference is what could have been if if the European tour would have took the live or the, the Saudi money there and live would have like never really been a thing. I think it's crazy that like the Saudis are basically using golf to show, you know, Hey, here, here's, here's where Western society can improve. We're doing yeah. equal purses. We're doing, you know, this or that. And it's like, it's, it's kind of putting a thumb in the eye of the, you know, of the PGA tour of the LPGA tour of the USGA. Like it's, it's pretty ironic that that's, that it's playing out like this where they're doing the things that make, you know, they kind of create the moral high ground for them with regard to women in sport. What do we think guys? We want to, we want to move on. Anything else we want to, I think we covered it. Right. I mean, there's no, there's no right answer. There's no wrong answer. There's no, it's like, like, you know, my call me a hypocrite. My feelings change by the day on it but for me the the guiding north star is like is it about the golf and it's not right it's about all this other shit and it's like all right like if it was about the golf then i'd feel pro- i'd probably feel differently and i'd probably give it a little bit more of the benefit of the doubt we we briefly touched on emma ballard wrote for uh women in golf women in golf.com she wrote an opinion column essentially asking the question with the Saudi international raising its purse to $5 million, being commensurate with the men's purse. Are they trying to make a push for a women's major? And I guess the question naturally that flows from that is like, should, should it be a major? And I, I think for, I mean, what sticks out to me is when, when I think of like a major golf tournament, I think of a celebration of golf, really, with the best players in the world, with fans at a ideally at a great golf course, and I think a lot of that is missing at this Saudi event, which we've we've just covered. There's no atmosphere. the The fans, the quote unquote fans, you know, are maybe being bussed in from elsewhere. It's not like your casual golf fans are going to go just travel to Saudi Arabia for a for a major. So. I don't think they'll ever get major status, but it's an interesting question as the purse continues to grow and it's and it's almost on par with with a lot of the women's majors as is. Well, I feel like Mike Wan set a dangerous precedent by glossing the Eviana major simply There's because yeah. purse and and all that. And I've said the same thing about the Eviana. I don't consider it a major because I think it's a bad golf course. It's like just because a sponsor puts up a bunch of money doesn't mean it's a major, right? Is there cachet involved? Is there, you know, is there fan excitement? Is there a reason for it to exist? Like under those circumstances, absolutely not. This isn't a major. Just like the Evian's not a major, in my opinion. Yeah. And what made up? I don't like this made up world where you can just say, "Ah, oh, yeah, this is a major now." We we just change things all willy nilly. Like what is this? No. It's stupid. 
Well, we we have consensus there. Um, all right, we're gonna put we're gonna put Saudi behind us. Let's look forward. Like I said, this week, um, really tonight. Whenever you're listening, uh, especially in the United States, it's it's prime time overnight golf. We have the Thailand Classic. Nana Kurtz Madsen is your defending champion. The women are going to be playing for one point seven million dollar purse, five hundred CME Globe points. Uh, the TV times, at least Eastern United States, are on Golf Channel, 10 p.m. to 3 a.m. Uh, Wednesday night into Thursday, Thursday night into Friday, and then it's 10:30 p.m. to 3:30 a.m. Eastern, Saturday, uh, Friday night into Saturday, and Saturday night into Sunday. We have a good field. Nine of the top ten players in the world will will be participating. Lydia Ko, Minji Lee, Ataya Titikum, Jin Young Ko, Inji Chun, all making their LPGA debuts. None of them were at the Tournament of Champions in Orlando, which I feel like is a whole other discussion. Uh, and then after this week, they play next week in Singapore at the HSBC Women's World Championship. Guys, we should have some good golf this week. Um, admittedly, I don't know a lot about the, the course in Thailand at Siam Country Club. But I am excited to watch some golf. It will come on where I am in the mountain time zone. It will come on at 8 p.m. Uh, and and will be some good primetime viewing. Are CME points, I mean, they're even more worthless than FedEx points. Because essentially it just totally reshuffles once you get it into the Naples event. And it's like a free-for-all. They wipe them. Right? So you're just trying to get into the Naples event. Whereas there's at least some currency attached to FedEx Cup points. Yeah. What do we feel about yes. that? Because part of me likes having it wiped. And listen, if you make the Tour Championship, you got a shot. It makes the Tour Championship a hell of a lot more interesting. Yeah. That's for sure. Yeah, I like it. I like the fact that it's, hey, you, you get there and then it's it's literally whoever plays the best. Yeah, I don't have a problem with it. I mean, I think it's just a matter of, it's also like, all right, CME probably made that decision as well, right? Like they've... They've, and granted, the CME guy, we can talk about him <laughs> separately. <laughs> um, but, uh, but yeah, it's, uh, you know, it's just an interesting compare and contrast, I think. Yeah. Wait, is somebody coming to fill your pool up or what? No, the fucking construction guys. Let me, hold on, let me close the garage door. Sorry, they're, they're finally doing the asphalt like this week and next. Hell yeah. Good for you. Randy, one other thing too is just the uh, I saw Saki Baba is in the field as well, playing with Madeline. Really, I missed that. Yeah, Saki Baba, uh, Madeline, and uh, Say Young Kim. Hell yeah! Off at eight twelve a.m. local time Saki, on Thursday. Saki Baba, of course, the uh, women's amateur champion and first team all name in in the world of golf. I mean, doesn't get any better. So than that. so swaggy too. <laughs> And then Allison Corpuz as well. She's she played really well kind of towards the end of last year. I think she's she's on the upswing as well, just kind of picking out random names, kind of going down going down the field list, not even going down the leaderboard. I know anymore. we don't have a leaderboard to go down for you, TC. I'm sorry. <laughs> hey Big, I want to get out in front of this one for you too. Uh, I know you mentioned who who the you know, the stars are going to be playing this week, but Brooke is also in the field, too. So I don't know if you had anything that you wanted to say about her victory. We haven't really talked about it much, but uh, anything on, on what you thought of the, the kickoff tournament and what you think Brooke's season is going to be? Yeah, Brooke won the, uh, the Tournament of Champions last month. 
It was her 13th LPGA victory. And good start to the season for her. She won a major last year, had a had a successful season, won uh, the ShopRite in addition to that. I think it portends to good things for a game from, from all accounts that I've read. She seems to be in a good place. Switched equipment. Switched equipment to the TaylorMade driver. Uh, yeah, it's a good start for her. I, I had been vocal saying, hey, listen, Brooke, we, we're, we're going to need another major from you. She did that last year. So I, I have no problems with Brooke, no problems with Canada. I, I want to I be very clear about that. I, I think we can look forward to hopefully, you know, her, her having a good year. If we can get some health, right? Like if Jin Young Ko's healthy, if Nellie Korda can stay healthy. Cody, I'm coming back to your take earlier. This, this, this really is shaping up to be a dynamite season, I, I, I truly believe. I know. Maybe my take of five was, was a little <laughs> short. Because the more you look at it, you, you realize I'm gonna I'm gonna ask for a couple more spots here. Okay, I'm gonna go no, top. Five. No, no, we gotta make cuts. Five is that's a good exercise. It's easy to rattle off ten. It's not as easy to rattle off five. You gotta make cuts. Okay, I'm gonna do it. All right, first Lydia, Nelly, and let me just Minji. say, hold on, let me interrupt you with Lydia. And what, what's fascinating about Lydia? She's 25 years old. She's on the verge of the Hall of Fame. But I, I mentioned, you know, her needing to win a major. She hasn't won a major since 2016 when she was 18 years old, which is incredible. So I think that's we, we've seen her flourish again in her golf game, and she's winning a lot of, of regular week-to-week events. She won the Tour Championship last year. I think that next step is to, to, to get back in the winner's circle at a major. So go ahead, Cody. Well, I like the changes that she made in order to improve her, her overall game. I think, no no offense to Sean Foley, but I think uh, freed up Lydia is very good. Little little bit of concern here with another caddy change. That's okay. I feel um, like that's just the norm, though, right? Yeah. I, I know, but it, she had that reputation for a long time and then was kind of consistent there. But I, I think these changes are stacking up. I agree with you, Big. Uh, she needs to win a major. But also, I think that, like, Getting married, I think, is kind of like a new lease on life for a lot of people. It, it, it makes, I, I don't know what her travel schedule is actually going to be, but she seems to be very, very happy. Uh, and, and hopefully that continues to roll into like her play in like, the actual major events. And I, I just. Sorry, the, the other thing that's unique with Lydia is she's been very vocal about probably not playing professional golf beyond the age of 30. So. If we take her to her word, assuming that that's still her intention, she has five years left. So that's that's where we get to like, yeah, we if you really want to be among the the greatest of all time, I think we're going to need some more majors from Lydia. Yeah, yeah. But as long as she stays healthy, I think a lot of things change, and and who knows what they want to do ultimately that decision based off because she's been playing like professional golf for so long. But ultimately, whatever they decide to do with with kids and everything else like that, I just I don't know. And I, and I know that day like thirty used to be like twenty eight or something, right? And then who knows where it'll eventually end up at? But it would not surprise me once she get her points if she does be like, no, I want to go live like a second life. It, it's not it, it, like she could still have like two full careers in something else after that if she wanted to. It's crazy to look at how successful she has been and how young she is it's, it's just nuts but right, back so, back to this yeah. list what did i what was last i left off minji 
you had Lydia, Nelly, and Minji. So you have the one, two, and three current ranked players in the world. Really going out on a limb there, Cody. <laughs> well, the next one, I'm, this is going to be a uh, shout-out to you, but a former Sun Devil uh, who obviously is making waves, we've discussed a lot, uh, has a very bright future, uh, specifically on the LPGA Tour, as soon as uh, maybe rules or something like that change, but that's going to be Lynn Grant. It, it, her game is, is incredible. I'm excited to watch her this weekend. It's, it's something that, like, I've never quite seen somebody, like, just dominate. And, and I know this goes back to, like, her college coach has, has quotes. was like, you know, you've never seen somebody more ready for professional golf than Lynn Grant. And, and I kind of look at it where we're at now with, like, kind of looking at Rose and, like, what Rose is going to. And, like, why is Rose still in college? Because she could be an absolute barn burner there as well. So for those that don't Rose know, yeah, for those that don't know, Lynn Grant uh, playing primarily on the LET last year. She she the LPGA events she did play in were not in the United States, but still she played um, 19 events worldwide in 2022. She won four times. She had a runner-up, three third-place finishes, and then seven more top tens. So I mean, we're we're talking about. 15 of 19 top 10s is is complete predator is very good now the the competition on the let is not what it is on the lpga and i think that's part of the fascination is we're all hoping either the united states government changes policies for entry into the country or lynn changes personal uh preferences as far as covid vaccinations go uh but it's going to be good for golf whenever she is consistently competing against the other best players in the world. Is that four, Cody? That's four. Final, Inji Chun. Wow. Number five for me. Wow. I know. I left a lot out. That's fine. I, wow, I, I, I know. I, I Listen. Young Co. Listen. There's, there's an argument. Titicum could be, like, number one. Yeah. Well, that is true. <laughs> I'm not prepared to have that argument at this time. But we'll we'll check on in this. We'll check back in next month. See where we're at. I think there's a more interesting. Like it's it's almost like all right, who could say right? Like we'll see what happens. I think there's a more interesting argument to be made of like who else is going to make the leap to being elite and in, in this conversation because like like Matilda Castron or Yuka has not played well right. of late or um, Megan Kang. Like Megan Kang seemingly has all the game in the world and just needs to, you know, raise the consistency a little bit and, and win more. You know what I mean? It's, it's, I, yeah, uh, honestly, TC, I think, I, I think that's a great question. And just going down kind of the preliminary world ranking list, like I think Lilia Vu is somebody that is really, yeah. really interesting. I think, you know, we've talked about Maya Stark. She's she's kind of been overshadowed by Lynn Grant, but but Maya Stark is really good. Um, I mean, at what point is Cupcho in the in the elite conversation? Like, you know, she's really freaking good. Somebody like Leona McGuire. I, I that's what's so fun. I think about where we are right now in women's golf is there, there's a real discussion making a top five, and then the people that missed that top five. There's there's a ton of young. Very good talent coming. I'm struggling a little bit with Leona. I mean, I know she's got three top tens in the, like the last however many majors, eight majors or ten majors or whatever, but 
she's also like 28, like kind of a late bloomer. Um, only has one win on the LPGA tour. Like, you know, she's, she's still not in the top 10 in the world. And like, it's just, she's kind of got that like big tone kind of thing going. Like she's like the big tone of the LPGA tour. You know, and maybe yeah. that portends that, like, there's some serious run of good play coming, but it just seems like she underachieves against her talent and work ethic and everything because it's seemingly she's doing all the right stuff. It's just a matter of like, putting it all together. I'll play this game with you. What list are you going off of right now? I'm looking at the like, world rankings. Just like the world rankings. Okay. Who do you think... Uh, so where do you think Charlie Hall is going to stack at the end of the year? Do you on think the, she is on the influencer rankings? She is the, overachieving <laughs> or underachieving right now? Charlie Hull? Yes. Uh I mean, I, I, I don't view Charlie Hull as like in even remotely close to the same talent level as Leona McGuire, based on what I've seen at Solheim Cups and just up close and everything. But she also has two LPGA tour wins, including a tour championship seven years ago you know she's got three ladies european tour wins um you know she's got plenty of top top fives top tens and majors like it's you know so i I think like that's the thing it's like charlie hole's just another just another player leona mcguire you think of her as more than just another player but in actuality charlie hole's record is actually better I, so I, looking I at this Leona, list, you're like, holy cow. Again, you just don't realize how deep this is. And then you'll find a name in there just like, really? Like, this this is where they're at? Yeah, I think Leona is still being boosted by her fantastic Solheim Cup a couple years ago. Um, yeah. I think it was very important for her to win last year. I think, you know, probably nobody more than herself. She She wants to win more. But getting the first, which first Irish woman to win on the LPGA. Uh, which is kind of unbelievable like to me. She's getting some added juice by being Irish, I think. <laughs> I think that's fair. True. I think that's fair. You know? Yeah. Um, I mean, but but like, point I, taken. I feel, I feel like I feel like the Irish they ride for they ride for their own. Um, I think another theme that's that's definitely emerging this year is uh, the Japanese. The Japanese are are bringing some depth to the proceedings. We got to figure out who's manipulating and who's for real, because it's it's worth mentioning Japan, just like Korea, has has a very strong domestic women's golf league, and so you'll see tons of Japanese women in in the front page, the first page of the world rankings, and a handful of them have never played an LPGA event, so it's it's hard to suss out, you know, who's it's almost like Japanese baseball, right? When yeah. when we get these players coming stateside and they've had great stats in Japan and it's and it always seems like it's a bit of a toss up between like okay well who's actually going to translate to the to the American league and and who's not yeah the list of players to watch out I have two Japanese ladies on there but now uh, a lot of that was solely based off their records in Japan now I'm starting to second guess it but it's okay <laughs> too too late to change it. Change the proceedings now. Um, well, who, I mean, who are they? Yeah, should we get into uh, that? I, I tasked yeah. Cody with, um, of course, we're starting a new season. We, we, we're going to have a ton of new faces on the LPGA through Epson Tour graduates, through Q Series, 
through folks moving over from Korea and Japan. Uh, Cody, let's get into your top 10 new faces in 2023. Number one. And this this is not in any particular order. Oh, by I any, thought we were going ways. 10 to 1. Okay. You want me to rank them? Kind of. Okay. Well, I'll start by 10 because that's kind of how I did it, but then I started moving and manipulating things a little bit here. All right. Minami Katsu. Do you guys know who Minami is? I'm not familiar with him. Japanese yeah. star. Okay. Uh, youngest winner ever on the LPGA Tour of Japan. Uh, she won an amateur event in 2014. At the age of 15, she's won eight total events on the Japan uh, LPGA Tour. She's won the Japan Women's Open twice in 21 and 22. uh, And she's qualified for the U.S. Open. Played a 2019 U.S. Open and placed tied for 22nd. She sounds like Sally's worst nightmare. She very much (laughs) is. If you want to talk about like a manipulator and how this works into like total rankings, she could be it. But you know what? She's not resting on her ranking in the Japan uh, LPGA. She like actually came over. She qualified via Q series and is like going to play LPGA tour full time. So I give her a ton of props for that. Very good. All right. Thanks. Thanks for the, thanks for the feedback. (laughs) No, no, Cody, that's wonderful. I just don't know anything about her, but now I'm excited to, you know, that's a name I'm going to follow. Another young lady. Hold on, hold on. Before we get there, like, do we, like, because you could say the same thing. You could basically put Hinako Shibuno on the other end of the spectrum. Yes. Where, like, she doesn't play full-time on the LPGA Tour. She does now. She does now. She does now? Yeah. She is now? Okay. Yeah. Um, Did that start recently? I believe last year was her first year. Yeah, last year was her first year. Okay. Okay, I, TC regrets the error then. Um, okay, never mind then. Because I was going to say, how do we treat her? Because she won, but then continued to play on the Japan tour. Correct. You know, is she is she choosing to manipulate? But I'm sure there's also some some COVID stuff in there as well, right? Yeah, and you know what? We don't knock people around here for going back and playing their their hometown tour. No, just like celebrate. you say all the time, we, that should be t- celebrated. More people need to go play in Australia. We're not going to knock these young ladies for going back to Japan and playing. Right? They're not getting boosted that much anyway. As long as they're they're still sticking to the LPGA full time <laughs> and everything else, we're fine. Keep that stuff out of here, TC. <laughs> Yuna Nishimura, all right? I had no clue who this person was. Uh, Everybody wanted to write about Yuna, though. 22 years old, six-time winner on the Japan LPGA Tour, turned professional in 2019. She does have five career LPGA starts, though, including solo fourth at the 2022 uh, Toto Japan Classic, so uh, a little home field advantage there. But uh, she also was runner-up in the 2018 Women's Asian Pacific Amateur uh, and then placed fifth at the same event in 2019. Again, Q-Series, came over, uh, went through all of qualifying, got her card, going to go full-time LPGA. That counts in my book. Yeah, respect. Love love them coming right. over and, and earning it in Q-Series. All right. Do you guys know any actual Arab professional golfers? Women's professional golfers or just Arabs in general? Or men. That shoot that uh something shoe sugar guy. Okay. Very good. Playing and live for a little bit. 
So I don't qualifier this year coming through Q series. She's a graduate of Wake Forest University. She actually uh, went to well. She actually she didn't graduate from Wake Forest University. Right? She went to Wake Forest University for like a year and a half, and then decided, hey, the United States isn't for me, and then went back to like London. But originally from Casablanca, Morocco, she's the first LPGA member ever to qualify from a North African country. That's um, not Arab though. Well, Morocco's Morocco, not Arab, is it? I, I think people might uh, might disagree with you there a little bit. All right. Uh, hold on, hold on. I'm, stay, just I'm go, staying out. We can't just be willy-nilly on what is an Arab country and what's not, right? Okay, good. Uh, come back when you get uh, okay. those. Okay, I think it's, it's, it is part of the Arab world. Thank uh, you. According, according to Wikipedia. I, I didn't want to hang you out there, but <laughs> I just wanted, giving you enough rope. Okay, I, I'm going to pronounce this incorrectly, but Ines uh, Lachlech. Okay. How do you, how do you spell you, you spell that for me? I N E S L A K L A L E C H. Anyway, she advanced, came through Q series. She went through all three stages of qualifying school. She's won an event on the ladies' European tour. She became the first uh, Arab, North African, whatever winner period in professional golf. It kind of reminds me a lot of the lady from Tunisia when we we're watching the Netflix. Uh, tennis Ons documentary. Jabor. I was going to bring yes. her up. Yes. Yes. There's a lot of similarities between her pathway and kind of how she's going about doing things and having like a pure, uh, you know, like Tunisian team around her. It's kind of the same thing that Ines is doing here too. And it's going to be really, really cool to see her kind of grow and, and, and how she actually performs on the LPGA tour. Now, she had a very, she was a good junior player. Uh, grew up at uh, probably, there's not very many clubs in Morocco. Uh, her dad and grandfather taught her how to play golf. Like I said, she ended up coming to Wake Forest to play golf, um, but ultimately decided that that wasn't for her. She was like kind of caught in the middle of, of concentrating on her studies and concentrating on golf. She ultimately decided to concentrate on her studies, transferred to a university over in the UK, finished Disrespectful school. to Mr. Palmer. Exactly. Then picked up golf back again, and it's truly like just rounding in the form here. I'm very, very excited, not only because she's a first, and that's always kind of cool uh, to track, but truly, truly seems like she could she could dominate. So excited rookie to watch out for. Next, Bailey Tardy. A lot of people know Bailey Tardy. She was a stud at the University of Georgia, uh, she's come painfully, painfully close the last three Q series, like missing out by like, a bar like barely, barely, barely missing out all three years. It's been horrible to watch. She's been riding the Epson tour. We're also, she continues to miss Epson tour by like hundreds of dollars each year. She finally made it through Q, Q series this year. Um, she ended she's up like finishing. the Taylor Montgomery. She of, very uh, much. She very much is, but Bailey, what she can do is she can go deep. Like she is not afraid of like, she can throw up 61, 62, 63. She's a birdie machine. Uh, part of that kind of reminds me a little bit of like Marina Fossey here because part of like throwing up a ton of birdies is you also <laughs> throw up like a bunch of big numbers. High variance. Um, and, and yeah, it, it is kind of scary there, but uh, it's very, like, very It's exciting. like Adam Dunn. It's either like birdie, yeah. <laughs> birdie or double yeah what, what like would the three strikeout home run or walk yeah. <laughs> yeah 
Next one, everybody's probably familiar with this name. She was a star in a net, the original Netflix golf documentary, Short Game. Her name is Alexa Pano. Yes. She's coming off of the Epson Tour. That's how she got her card. Uh, but if you followed women's golf at all, everybody knows who Alexa is. They think of the, the very, very small girl that was just beating up everybody's brains in Pinehurst at the, the U.S. Kids Golf. She's qualified for uh like the drive chip and putt multiple times it seemed like she was always like 15 years old and then last year she just popped up and was like hey i'm finally 18 and i'm not gonna play college golf and i'm gonna turn professional she's very very close with the the ladies that are still playing college to this day though so you'll see her uh huge like her one of her best friends is anna davies who won the uh augusta national women's amateur last year She's playing in it again this year. Very, very tight with that group of people. Uh, she always seems to have her dad on the bag. It's kind of those two versus the world. And surprisingly, she still is going to carry uh, the New England Patriots logos on all of her clothes, which shocks me when you see like an actual like sports team just sponsoring random people. <laughs> She's like Ben Curtis. <laughs> yeah. So Alexa is... is- near the top of my list of most fascinating new faces uh, for all those reasons you mentioned, Cody. The, the decision to turn pro and skip college golf is an interesting one. She's just 18. She's obviously going to be traveling the world. I hope it ends up being a success story. These, these are the type of cases where I, I just... I hear you. I'm getting Lexi concern vibes. Here. Yes, it's it's felt like there's a lot more sizzle than steak with Alexa, and that's that's not a not ne- not even necessarily a slight on her. Like if she's got endorsement deals lined up and she's making good money, then do it, you know. But it's uh, yeah, it just seems like there's there's you know more of a I don't know. There's just not as much of a body of work from her. I mean, she's definitely performed, whether you look at uh, AJGA events, whether you look at other uh, nationals, she's qualified in, you know, she's played in U.S. Open, she's played in Junior Am, she's played in every possible women's amateur event you could possibly play in. Um, But you're right, it is a big step. And I think it's one of she's played in all those, but she hasn't really won them. Yes. If that makes sense. Like, I know she won the Rolex girls, she won the Dustin Johnson. Junior Worlds, but, like, there's no, like, you know, U.S. Women's Am finalist or, you know, that sort of thing. It's right. Definitely- Some pretty poor performances at the Am was. Like, you, I, I'm, I'm right there with you. Uh, what has always concerned me is that there it seems to be uh, a lot of pressure here. And I understand her dad on the bag, but I think it's one of those things where hopefully the step of having your LPGA Tour card is like she figures out a way and kind of has a little bit more ownership of her game to put the actual staff around her to make her perform to the best uh, of her capabilities. So hopefully we see something from her. But like I said, it's a name. You can't ignore it. Uh, If you follow anything, have a Netflix account for like the last whatever 10 years. I'm sure that's been served up multiple times. I still need to go back and check in and see what's going on with that Kornikova kid or whatever his name is. Because I think he was the uh, he was the one that always made me think of like, well, really? I've okay. never watched that, that that show before. 
It's crazy. Yeah, it's you crazy. Go back and watch it now. I mean, yeah. I put that. It's not in front of the Godfather for you, but it's definitely, <laughs> it's definitely behind. It's probably more germane to my uh, <laughs> my profession. <laughs> yeah, the next one was the uh, took medalist honors at Q Series. Han Ron Ru, obviously uh, Korean national, twenty one years old. Uh, she won the 2018 Korean women's amateur. She took fifth at the 2018 Asian Games. She's played in the U S open qualified for the 2016 women's open. Unfortunately missed the cut. Didn't end up turning pro until, uh, 2019. And then this is where my, again, the KLPGA deep dives. I, I continue to just get sucked down this little vortex that they have there. <laughs> have you guys ever had heard of the jump tour? No. Have not. You ever heard of the Dream Tour? I've not. No. So KLPGA has like multiple levels of developmental tours beneath them. So it's I like guess rookie you, ball, yes, double A. You start a. you yeah. start in the jump tour. Uh she had she had five top fives in 2019. She was uh then promoted up to the dream tour. She was only on the dream tour for two months. She earned four wins in two months. Uh, when she got to the Dream Tour, after rattling off those four victories, they said, hey, you're out of here. You're up to the KLPGA. Uh, she played the rest of that year on KLPGA. And then, theoretically, though, she wasn't considered like her full rookie year until 2020. Um, she won her first event on the KPG, KP, KLPGA. So she had four events in a row on Dream Tour, won her first KLPGA event. Uh, and then, since then, she's just like continued to beat up on everybody She's 21 years old um total of five uh wins on klpga she, she's has competed in six lpga tour events so far uh tied for 13th at the 2020 us open and took seventh at the bmw ladies in korea in 2021 so she uh just another korean superstar coming a fascinating deep dive again. The more that I dig into the KLPGA, I need to get back into the political side of it because I know when we were there last oh, year, dude, there was, that was, a, there that was, was a ton awesome. going on, but it's just, it's this whole world is wild to me. Like, honestly, we could probably go over, like, at some point in time, we need to go over and, like, live the KLPGA, like, life for a couple weeks. Well, be amazing. Dude, I would love to go do some more KLPGA stuff and just, just, Oh, I want to go down to Busan, do all that stuff. It's Randy, you would be you would be like a pig in shit. <laughs> uh, is it Ryu? Is that her last name? Yes. She's she's already a top 50 player in the world. She's currently ranked 46. She just finished uh tied for ninth at the Saudi International. She she could be a name that we see on a lot of leaderboards. Well, good. I'm glad that my my list is uh is matching current results. Thank you, Big. That's the affirmation that I need. And listen, this was very hard because there's a <laughs> lot of people, uh, of all the people who qualified via Epson Tour, via Q Series last year, there is no person that has me more excited this year to keep an eye on than this player. You guys might remember her from a very famous Apple commercial that she was a part of. She played in the women's amateur at 10 years old. Everybody remembers her from the 2014 U.S. Women's Open at Piners, chomping down on ice cream the whole time. All right. She's only, uh, last year she played, last year she won twice on the Epson Tour. That's Lucy Lee. An absolute world beater. 
in the making. It's been a long time coming. If you think she's been playing, how old is she now? High level, twenty years old. High level competitive golf since she's ten years old. She has ten years invested into this already. It is nuts. What's her upside? Like, are we talking Lydia Ko, or are we talking like just top twenty player in the world? No, I'm I'm talking about like she's going to be rookie of the year. She'll be in the mm-hmm. top top ten in the world by the end of the year. Like she is. She's What's she been stuff. doing the last last couple of years? She beat up the Epson, Epson tour, tour, which I which I like to see. No, I, I I do I love to see that, but like it took her a couple of years to matriculate. So what makes you so sure that she's going to be rookie of the year? Over, I, over I mean, the, over the Korean girl that you just you, pure you talent just talked about. Okay. Similarities, the the amount of LPGA events that she's already played, how she's been easily integrated into the LPGA tour, all of this stuff, her friend group, you name it. Okay, I dig it, Cody. I like it. You're, you're being bold. What's the point of being bold here? I've, like I said, I saw some other bold positions by other golf personalities out there. Zephyr said that that Lydia wasn't going to win this year. That was his bold prediction. Wait, Lydia. Which is, is he is he counting the Saudi or no? No, this he wrote that before. He has to count the Saudi. I mean, how, how would you not count that event? Yeah. What is there an asterisk behind it now just because of where it was held? All right. So how many how many players is that on your list? Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Okay, so we got three more. Nope, I'm cutting it at seven. <laughs> cutting it at seven. Wow. So no, no Grace Kim, no Gina Kim. Don't believe in him. No Linnea Strom. Well, Linnea's that's a different different bucket altogether. Okay. Cody, I, I dig it. Thank you. So, so this different bucket is people that graduated from the Epson tour that you're not you're not uh, excited about or paying attention to. <laughs> well, listen, if you're gonna spend, so like I thought about this a lot. Lucy, like Lucy's season last year on the Epson tour, like she like beat, beat, beat up folks. And even when like, even when she had bad weeks, like they still were not horrible weeks. Like a lot of these people that are coming off the Epson tours, the highs and lows, it's, it's hard to like, it's hard to look at that and then try to like envision what that their first year on the LPGA tour is actually going to look like. Yeah. I mean, the Epson tours are fucking grind. Like makes the Corn Ferry Tour look look like the, you know, like the major leagues. Well, not only that, if we're giving people like partial credit for like LET wins and partial credit for Japan wins and like all this other stuff, like what are we doing to the Epson Tour? Yeah, it's true. But I would say like KLPGA like or Japan Women's Tour, like that's higher level competition than what's on Epson. A hundred percent. So I think we should give it more credit, right? Yes. You're trying to take away Lucy right now. I, I, I see what you're doing. <laughs> no, but I'm not. I, tru- I truly I have no think, agenda. I truly think like we'll hear from her. She's coming up later in this I podcast. Do. I'm trying to I'm trying to you know speak for the rest of the world. I do the same thing on our PGA Tour podcast. Listen, I hear you. There might be some holes in this analysis. No, That's okay. No, this is this is where we learn from. Is this based on the eye test, or is this based on a lot of it's based on the eye test? Unfortunately, that KPMG money hasn't trickled its way down to it. Uh, we we don't have anything to analyze here. No, we don't. 
Um, all right, Cody, thank you for that. A few odds and ends here to end. Uh, you, you mentioned we have a, a fun interview coming up with, with Lucy. Uh, maybe, maybe I'll ask her if, if she's going to feel any additional pressure with, with Cody anointing her as rookie of the year. Um, some odds and ends. So the Solheim Cup, let's start here. The Solheim Cup, they are going back to playing every even year. So we're going to get a Solheim Cup this year in Spain and then next year uh, at the Robert Trent Jones Club in outside Washington. And Free golf, man. I love it. And both the U.S. and Team Europe uh, have named their respective captains, Stacey Lewis and Suzanne Pedersen. They are going to be captains for both Solheim Cups. So I don't think a big surprise there. I think it makes a lot of sense. I actually like both captains. Hopefully we get a uh, a contentious Solheim oh, Cup this year, and it just love feeds Suzanne into next Pedersen. year. Yeah. That's my hitter. Um, some LPGA news. I think the big news today, they just announced uh, a mixed field. It, it, it had been rumored, but today was the official announcement for a mixed field event with the PGA Tour at Tiburon Golf Club. It's going to be in December, December 8th through 10th. It's going to feature 32 players, so 16 teams, one PGA professional, one LPGA professional over three days, $4 million purse. Guys, I want to praise progress. I think this is better than, obviously, what we've had, which is nothing the last uh, several, several years. But we got we to gotta get some type of joint mixed event that's not a silly season exhibition event. I, I think this is a good first step. I want to be very clear about that. But I think we can still, we can still do more. We can still do better. Totally. It's only 16. You know, it's 16 and 16, right? It's... Uh... I would, you know, praise progress. It took long enough, but uh, we finally got rid of the fucking shark shootout, QBE shootout, whatever. Um, you know, Grant Thornton. I'm sure. Rick, I'm sure your guy Ricky will be one of the one of the guys playing in this. Um, I think that was announced, right? Didn't they announce the first oh, really? team? I saw that it was Ricky and Nelly. Okay, maybe. I want to see some provocative teams. Like, I want to see how. You know, I think this is a team loss. Ooh. Event. What would your dream matchups be, TC? Um, great question. I mean, I would say like Lexi and Patrick Reed. <laughs> Patrick Reed was still kicking around. Uh, you know, but uh, give me a sec on that. Do one. you think Lexi's disappointed that that Bryson left the stable? That they're no longer in probably uh, team team Puma Cobra Land. Probably has to yeah. be sad. I'm sure those the the shoots just aren't going to be the same. TC, I'll buy you some time. Another announcement coming out of the LPGA. They're changing the uh, cut size for all their events. Effective immediate, uh, excuse me, effective at the drive-on in late March. So it's now going to be the top 65 in ties, which is a decrease, I believe. Um, it used to be maybe top 70. I always thought there were way too many people making the cut yeah. on LPGA events. So. Kudos for for trimming that down. It's now going to be top sixty five in ties on LPJ. Do you think this is a decision like that, guys, based off of pace of play, or is that based off of writing checks? What do you think it benefits more? I think it I, benefits I it's both pretty, of those things. I, th I think it's probably more pace of play and flexibility on that end versus the check. I mean, check wise, it would seem like it would be a pretty negligible difference, right? Yeah, it's always I mean, interesting though when you talk about 
uh, I don't know. I, I I always look at things of of the money's coming in, and then like wh- how many how many times it's actually being dispersed out. Yeah, and it, it's a fascinating kind of wormhole to go down. Guys, I, I have I my 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 desired team. You know, obviously, some things have to change before this happens. But <laughs> Ludwig and Lindgren. Oh my god! How <laughs> fucking good with that? Be? Holy cow! It's amazing. Yeah, and then you do you know. You could do something like uh, Rose and you know Rose and, and Rose Michael and Rose? Th- Rose and Thor Bjornson. Yeah, oh. you do like the two, you know, Stanford Stanford people. Yeah, there's some provocative teams you could get in the mix, right? I am excited. More what I what I what I hope it's not is like you know there's there like Kuchar's always played in the QBE shootout, right? Of like I hope like it's not like. Matt Kuchar and, you know, like, I don't know, Annika or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, I, it's just, like, don't turn it into novelty stuff. Like, it should be, like, the best possible talent that you can get. Not like, hey, this person's 44 and has played in <laughs> 14 of these the last 20 years. Right. You know? See, this is the event where, like, Max played with Kisner last year, right? Correct. Who'd be a good teammate for Max? I think Marina I mean, Alex. Yeah. Yeah. That'd be a fun I was going to say, him and Danielle seem to be, I know the team title is connection there, but they seem to vibe and discuss things quite a bit. I just feel like Marina and Max kind of, I don't know, both like super hard workers, pretty intense, like seem to squeeze the most out of their games, you know, kind of punch above their weight a little bit. Is it is Max a gamer? I could see him, him and Annie Park maybe could just be like team gamer. <laughs> Yeah. Talking about respawning and beating <laughs> up on noobs. Uh, all right, more odds and ends. Sorry. Um, did you guys have a chance to watch this LPGA All Access series? They they released episode yeah. one. What'd you think? All right, is it Gemma or Gemma? I wrote down Gemma. Yeah, I think Gemma. I was going with Gemma. Or I thought Gemma as well. Uh, it was nice to get to know Jody. You were at Shadoff. Yep. A little bit better. Um, I don't know. I think. It was good. It's impressive how quickly they turned it around. I thought the music was maybe a little bit overwrought. That was kind of one of my takeaways from a production standpoint. Um, some of the narration, I think, was maybe a little bit forced or maybe, you know, that's kind of the other, like they went the other direction from like having a talking head on screen versus, you know, having somebody narrate or having multiple people narrate over it mm-hmm. with, you know, Cheyenne Woods and Hope Barnett and everything. Um, but I think... Net net, it's it's really well done. I think it's a credit to the LPGA, um, you know. And obviously, they don't want to highlight some of the the stuff that was like rife with controversy, like the locker room they, stuff. Yeah, they, and yeah, they moved past that pretty quickly. Uh, well, yeah, but props to them. They could have completely buried it, yeah, and true. they didn't. That's true. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was good. I I don't know what my my expectations of it really were, but. Uh, if people haven't checked it out, go to the LPGA website. What I, what I am concerned about this and a project of this size is that I just don't see them pushing it out that much. Maybe it's because we've been overwhelmed with the whole uh, full swing stuff going on, but you, you got to let people know where it's at. So maybe that's on us a little bit too. We need to share it around. We can. Have- well, some of it I think too is I think there's just I think it's going to get more interesting as they get. Hopefully, they do it for the outside of the United States events. Like, yeah, you know, I'm not sure which events they're going to do it for, but like. 
the the non-domestic events, international events, like I think that's where it could be super, super, super interesting. Like I'd love to see them in Thailand this week, or I'd love to see them in Korea or at the Toto, you know, or like it'll be fantastic for the for the international crown uh, out in San Francisco. But um, I think that, and then I, I think just you know, like the Hilton Grand Vacations, like this is like, in my opinion, like the least interesting event of the it's, entire season. No offense me. to our guy Flask, Big Flask. Uh, <laughs> we love Flask. It's the worst event <laughs> the, of the year. It's like, and I it's not even close. It. Yeah, it's horrible. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I thought the I thought the LPGA was super well made. I, I like you. I was impressed with the production quality. I'm glad. I'm really happy that they're doing it. I think my like one wish would weirdly be like like show less golf like i i don't yeah the tournaments happen like i don't need to know that brooke won the the tournament of champions like dive into off course stuff with the players you're profiling i i I hope they can do more away from the course and i hope they i hope they can get some tension and drama and Mm -hmm. um frustrations on camera because i i don't think we see that much from the ladies and Obviously, they have yeah. all, all the emotions that anybody else has, and I know they get frustrated, they get mad, they get upset. Like, I want to see some of that. Like, be real. Yeah. Like, that's that's the biggest thing. Not the app, but just, just you know, <laughs> like being real. Uh, I think there's there's a level of that, too, of, like, there's a risk of, like, trying to overproduce it, yeah. too. Trying yeah. to make sure that all the, you know, the in-location – like it, you know, the tenor changes when there's a full film crew around, like do try to do less or try to do more with less, try to have a leaner crew. Maybe they're already doing this and this is one of their things, but like, I would rather it be, be real and more authentic and more nitty gritty and less well-produced than it being more sterile and really well-produced and trying to get to this, you know, this weird threshold that they're trying to clear. That's a Netflix threshold or something like that. Like focus on, the, the quality of the substance, not the quality of like the presentation. It always goes back for me of watching the, the hypercut that they love to bring out of Patty T warming up. If you actually played that out for like the full warm up and listen to her and what she's discussing yeah. and yardages and everything else like that, that's what you're going for here. If people found their way to your website. Like that's they, they don't really need to know like what happened in the tournament. Like tell us what the minutia was around it. Yeah. I mean it was the same that's the same feedback we had for for the full swing. Yeah. Thing too. It's like show us show us more nitty gritty craftsmanship behind the scenes details. And I think to a certain extent that one's more for the masses. Like I would say that the LPGA lean into like some of the nitty gritty and go after core fans and like really serve a core because I, I think some of the opportunity is going after core fans, whether they're male or female, yeah. and getting them over, shifting them over to more to the LPGA versus trying to get a brand new fan that's never watched golf before. That's yeah. that's such a great point. They they you know when 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 you talk about ways that the LPGA could differentiate and and draw in those hardcore golf fans, I, I think that's a great example. TC, like take us take us into places that we just can't get to with PGA Tour golf. Yeah. Um, we talk about, you know, being able to play some unique courses that the PGA Tour can't go to. I, I, I think, like, this access, 
they should be trying all kinds of shit on the broadcast, which I know is a can of worms with with the partners and the contracts and everything. But it's like, man, you got to exploit where you can to really try to differentiate and and I and I think draw in the hardcore golf fan is is such a worthy like goal. Yeah. And choosing which events to do, like no brainer then. Go fucking hard on Wilshire. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Like go yeah. hard that week. Like no brainer. Go hard at Harding Park for the team thing. Like that's gonna be that's such a great opportunity to get great authentic content and just basically just be a fly on the wall you know, in the because they're what, four four person teams? Yeah. You know, for that, like, that's cool. That's made it, that's built in conversations that are going to happen one way or another that you don't have to tee up. Mm -hmm. That's, you know, and it's a good golf course at uh, Harding Park with great scenics, you know? Yeah, yeah. The two things that really stood out for me from this is that, number one, kudos to the LPGA for actually investing in something that's different and unique and serving it on their platform. Number two, like, (laughs) it goes back to, uh, like, what's going on at NBC? Why is something like this not on, like, Golf Channel? The LPJ Tour is paying and producing and, and putting this stuff out there. Why? It, this seems like it's tailor-made to be shown on, like, on TV. Like, I just don't understand why. Yeah. Like, what is going on with Golf Channel? They have, they have no appetite for anything original or, you know, like, they, they, they would rather run infomercials and you know reruns of like the 2021 rocket mortgage classic to fulfill yeah it just seems you know some sort of make good for you know a corporate contract it's it's they're so lazy. fucking lost in the sauce yeah. and lazy and just there's no pride whatsoever with golf channel it's bad Sad. It's, yeah. it's a bad spot i i thought about that a lot uh just trying to come up with similarities between this and kind of what the lpga's intent of it i think it is watching full swing and then of course like i think we all naturally compare it back to like f1 and what driver survive was able to do and then like you know you think about like new fans what drive to survive was also able to do but then like the multiple levels of like depth that you could go as a fan in F1 and like you can sign up and, and and pay to get your driver's audio in live during the race, not just like the TV coverage, but like full time, everything that's going on, like there's different depths that you can go to. And I just like, it feels like LPGA and this could go down that route if they wanted to, because it, it seems like, again, from our experience being on site, the LPGA Tour and their players are like, hell yeah, whatever you guys want to do, let's do it. Yeah. So let's let's show it here. And so and like, you know, it's a Solheim Cup year. I think they'll they've got an opportunity to highlight that. They've got an opportunity to highlight I think an Epson Tour episode. Yeah. Yeah. Would be like, you know, follow say three players for three weeks and condense that down into like, you know, it doesn't need to be X's and O's and and you know, a highlight tape. It's like, no, like show me the, like show me them driving up to the, the UP of Michigan and, you know, and then flying across the country to their next event or driving the seven hour drive to their next one mm-hmm. bunking up, like show me the nitty gritty, show me the, show me what it takes because that adds context to why the LPGA, you know, that's the place to play. Why that like, you know, the hard work that it takes to get there makes the competition that much more, valuable and interesting you know yeah absolutely 
Guys, the only the, the last thing I had was um, Commissioner Molly Marcus Saman was on the Claude Harmon Son of a Butch podcast. Uh, I believe the episode was January twenty fifth. If anybody wants to go listen to that, I was a little I was a little disappointed. I think I, I it was like forty five minutes of just not a lot of substance. I thought and. I don't know if that's just the commissioner still kind of getting comfortable in a role and, and doing, you know, interviews like that. Uh, full disclosure, we would love to interview her sometime on on, on this network. I, I hope that's something we can get done this year. But I it, it just, I don't know, I listen to her and it just, I, I, I leave getting the sense of like, okay, well, what, like, what is, she, what did she really tell me that I didn't know? Um, and I... I don't know. I don't want to like judge her whole performance. I don't want to judge like her whether she's a good commissioner off of that. But it is. I'd, I'd be remiss if it was like eh, it. it yeah. It's a little concerning to me. She needs to. I mean, she needs to get some W's, right? I think. But you know, who knows? Maybe the All Access series was one of her things, or like there's there's. But tell us what your W's are, because yeah. I feel like she needs to get some wins in the bank because she's taken some L's on the the CME. Venus or you know Serena Williams dinner, yeah. uh, the locker room stuff. Even if it's stuff that's like the schedule, schedule, not, yeah. yeah, the schedule. Like it's not necessarily her fault, or she needs a year or two to ramp up and get her people in place and get her priorities in line, or or you know shift the philosophy of the tour. Like I get that that stuff takes time, but at the end of the day, like you got to do that stuff while you know making sure that some of this other stuff doesn't happen. And like it's it comes down to details and relationships and trust with players right and and then just and be real not the app yeah not the app tc not the app <laughs> but like just, just well yeah just like tell your story yeah. and like tell you know like you know communicate yeah and i think that's where like the same thing with like that's same criticism i have of jay monahan like he's a dog shit communicator as far as public you know at least public facing mm -hmm. i was gonna say the exact same thing to it is you know I think everybody, when they get to those positions in these like organizations are, are so eager to chase like perfection and things have to be like finalized and exactly where they need to be before we say anything to the world about them. And then they realize like, oh fuck, like that kind of blew up in our face and didn't work out as we planned. Like it's okay to give updates as you go. It's okay. And what I would expected Molly to say is, yeah, you know, I saw the schedule. It, it, we're trying to make make it the best that we possibly can by giving additional playing opportunities to our members. We understand that that it's spread out all over the place, and we're working on it. And these are the things that we're trying to do. We're trying to stack events so they're in the same region or it, it, like in the same hemisphere, back to back. Call, so yeah, these, call out what the issues are. Like, just say it. It's yeah. okay, and say these, this is what we're doing to work towards that. We're working with our sponsors. We're doing the best that we can. And at the end of the day, we have our players it, it, like the front. We're, we're trying to make it so they perform the best. You know? That was where I felt like there was more talk about what was important to Mike Wan. Yes. What was important to Molly Marku Saman. It was yeah. like, you know, Wan's priority was events, 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 sponsors, 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 tournaments, you know, that sort of thing. And it's like, all right, cool. Like, I guess you're saying you agree with that, but you know, take, take the baton and take that a step farther. What, like what needs to be improved with the events? Is it just purses? Is it venues? Is it, you know, where they sit on the schedule? Like the shadow Creek one's a perfect example of like, 
Like why like why not play like why can't you play the Shadow Creek event, you know, and then go to Hawaii, like, you know, build it out to where it's all it's all puzzle pieces, right? You're fitting all these puzzle pieces together, but build that out to where, you know, all right, and, and cool, if Shadow Creek's not willing to do that, then cool, talk to talk to somebody else out there in that area. But like, you know, like a five or six week you know, off time between what what you're trying to make as your centerpiece tournament of champions and the beginning of your of your season is just like that's not workable. That's that's like an insult to your players. Yeah, I don't know. I, I don't think it could get much worse from where we're at right now, schedule wise. Oh, I think it could. I mean, if really? You like, oh, if you look at like seven, eight, ten years ago, like it was. I mean, the schedule or like the purse sizes of like double there's there there's far not talking more, about like, good venues and all that you're you're just saying right. strictly date wise and yes a hundred percent of the schedule yes. yeah it's yeah it's like scattershot as fuck it's bad like you know? i a hundred percent way better sponsors way better uh venues everything yes uh you, you are one thousand percent correct but like there's just massive holes for for no reason outside of like appearing to just like you kind of need to appease like this random sponsor here. But again, like some of this stuff too is like, all right, like why is the sponsor doing this, right? Is the sponsor doing it to fill a, fill a hole in their hotel blocks? Or are they doing it because they want to put the best product possible out? And like the best product possible isn't late May in the desert in Nevada, right? Like the best product would be when everybody's watching the West Coast swing and, you know, the Florida swing and like, figuring a way to, all right, like maybe you go every, every other week or every 10 days or something and you go off, off peak where you go, you know what, we're going to have Tuesday finishes. Or we're going to have Friday finishes or, you know, something like that. Like get, again, think outside the box, no bad ideas. Um, and you know what, like that Shadow Creek one, it already is a made for TV thing, right? There, there's no fans out there. Like it's not like they're, they're relying upon volunteers that are coming out on the I, weekend. I believe they don't sell tickets. You you have to yeah. you have to stay at the yeah. resort for some ungodly amount to be able to to attend the tournament. Really? Yeah. Well, that's interesting. Yeah. Hopefully we can hopefully we can chat with uh, with Commissioner Saman sometime uh, in the near future. But just wanted to flag that for folks. Um, we are nearly two hours in, but I, I can't stress enough. We have a great interview coming up with Lucy Lee. We're going to talk to her about her career to date, her, her expectations for her rookie year, and a lot more. So, gentlemen, thank you for your time and your insights this morning, and look forward to doing it again. Thanks, guys. All right. Joining us now, we had talked, uh, we had mentioned that we had a great interview coming up at the uh, on the second half of the show. LPGA rookie, Lucy Lee. Uh, Lucy, welcome to the show. How are you today? And also, I know you're not in Thailand. Where are you today? Uh, thank you for having me. I'm really excited. I'm a big No Laying Up fan, so this is exciting for me. Um, I'm at home in Palm Desert right now. Okay. How, uh, how, how has the off season been for you? You, you earned your LPGA tour card. I should tell folks, uh, through the Epson tour last year, you finished number three on their, on their race to the tour. Uh, you won two times 
And so now, uh, having done that, it's it's a bit of a long off season for you, especially, of course, not playing in the Tournament of Champions, not going to Thailand. I imagine your first start will be in Arizona at the drive-on. Is that is that right? Yeah, so that's going to be my first start of the year. It's been really, really long. The last tournament, well, like real tournament I played in was the Mediheal at Satikoi in like the first week of October. So it's been a really long time. Wow. So when you say a real tournament, what other tournaments have you been playing in? Oh, well, I played the Pebble Beach, like TaylorMade um, Pro-Am. That oh. was in November, but that's kind of a chill tournament. So I wouldn't really count it as a like a real kind of LPJ thing. But yeah. Are you, you're not beating up any local money games or anything? <laughs> um, You know, I get, I've get i got some games going at Bighorn, but not really. I've been practicing and, you know, been busy with school and stuff like that but probably start getting into that a little more yeah um well gosh cody where 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 do you want to start here i i almost want to throw it to you to uh to kick us off here well yeah i think lucy rookie season on the lpga tour but you're it's definitely you're very familiar with lpga you've played in multiple events going back years and years and years but i think we'll start with you and kind of what are you excited about this year yeah, I'm really stoked for it. You know, I've been, you know, looking forward to this for years now. And, um, you know, last year I got to play in, I think, eight LPJ starts. So definitely kind of uh, got in there, got started, because I know it's a it's a pretty big transition from amateur into professional golf and then just from the developmental tours onto the LPJ. So I wanted to get like a head start on that. So I'm feeling good about it. But um, you know, the six months off doesn't really help that much. But <laughs> I'm just really excited to um, be able to a be in real cities this year and get to play some good courses and travel. Um, I'm really excited for the international events, uh, especially in Europe. But unfortunately, I don't think we're playing any Lynx courses, which what I was really looking forward to. So I'll have to wait <laughs> until next year. Um, and then Asia at the end of the year, I'm also excited for and the Canadian Open too. Can I ask you about your travel? I, I think that's an interesting uh, thread to pick up on. And I say that only because... You're 20 years old. You're you're a very young woman. I, I'm curious what how you intend to travel, what your plan is to travel. Uh, who do you think will be traveling with you most weeks? Um, I'm, I'm sure there's a lot of thought that went into that. Yeah, for sure. So, um, you know, I've been on the Epson for the past three years. So I've definitely kind of gotten that, not down because of those like in the US, but kind of gotten into the you know, swing of that. And so my aunt usually travels with me uh, all uh, all the weeks and then my mom will come out sometimes um, just because, you know, like you said, I'm 20 years old and I'm a girl. So it's kind of not the safest to be traveling by myself. It's hard to get rental cars when you're 20. It's very expensive. <laughs> yeah. uh, or that's a, that's a great point. <laughs> <laughs> it's either impossible or like 5X like markup or something ridiculous. But um so yeah, definitely for the short or foreseeable future, I'll be traveling with uh, family. Now, is this the fun aunt traveling with you? How 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 do you pick, uh, or or is this just the aunt who's able to travel with you? How how did what went into that decision? Um, so she's been around uh, me and my golf for a really long time since I was young because my mom and my dad are really busy, and she and my mom are um, sisters. They're really close, so she's basically like my second mom. Um, and she takes care of me. And so, you know, yeah, definitely fun uh, to travel with her and just have someone to help me with 
all of my stuff. <laughs> Not only like traveling with you week to week and everything like that, but it, this is the same aunt that when you guys eventually went down to Miami and started working with Jim, she, you guys moved down there together, correct? Uh, yeah. So, well, we went, uh, it's kind of the same thing as in the Palm, as I am in Palm Desert. I, I was there for maybe four or five months a year. So just, um, to get some better weather and practice facilities. Um, I'm, I love the Bay area, but it's kind of tough. Um, especially this year with all the flooding going on. Um, so it's just nice to kind of get out and be able to practice in good weather, but it's been really good in Palm Desert this year, but today it's like 50 degrees. It's going to be like this for the next week. It's crazy. It, I'm guessing that would be considered cold for you. You don't like practicing. <laughs> okay, when it's 50 degrees out here, it's like no one, no one's out there. I practiced today. There was no one out there. I mean, I know in some places that's like warm, but like 50 degrees here is it's colder than it is in most places, I think. Sure, sure, sure. I believe that. But I'm from California, so I don't know what cold weather is. <laughs> yeah, uh, it's a little That's different. good. So what we started this here, and, and Big asked a very good question about traveling and, and trying to figure out your schedule because, you know, you're going to have pretty much really good access um, based off the status that you're coming in. Mm -hmm. And we talked about rentals and, and your, who else is traveling with you. But we started this whole thing talking about fast food. So I want you to break down, what are we doing on the road? Are we staying at hotels, Airbnbs? Are you, are you a cook? Or are you, you wanted to get some fast food takes out there? So let, let's hear. So I think we're doing mostly hotels. And um, I'm very happy that I'm, I get to eat the LPGA food and not the Epsom, <laughs> which I don't touch. Um, but... <laughs> But that's, yeah, so that's tough. I, I do like cooking, but it's tough on the road. So yeah, so sometimes like if my aunt or my mom like, well, uh, if I have super late tea time or I need to get home uh, super late and then early tea time. So I need to get something quick. You know, I love going to Chipotle on the road. Um, that's like my go to for sure. And if we're going to be in real cities, we'll actually have Chipotle. And that's really exciting. And that's kind of my go to on the road. What's the go to Chipotle order? Um, I'd say I just started being healthier. So, but I just, my, <laughs> I just started being healthy. It's okay. <laughs> so like my favorite Chipotle order is, you know, brown rice, no beans, um, steak, um, like the hot salsa, fajitas, um, pico. I love salsa. So I get like all the salsas basically and a little bit of cheese and a lettuce, but now I started doing chicken and sofritas, which is not as good as steak, but it's fine. Who's giving you all this bad advice on what you can and can't eat? Uh, myself. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm just laughing at uh, real cities having having a Chipotle. Um, <laughs> well, well, let me ask you this, and I think it not only has pertained to your time on the Epson Tour, but obviously will as well on the LPGA Tour. When you're not playing golf, what, what what do you like to do? Do you like to read, watch stuff? Are you, are you trying to get out and see the sights? How, how do you like to pass the time? Uh, like during like on tour. Yeah, like on tour. If 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 you're you know if you're in a city for an event or or are you just locked into the golf? Maybe there's just really not much time to do anything else. Yeah, I would say that if I have a chance to go out and see things, I'll I'll do that. Uh, mostly. 
on like practice round days or program day, something like that, um, if I get there early enough. But kind of during the week or like when I'm busy and I'm playing a lot, I'll just kind of just sit at home and like watch The Office, <laughs> play games on my phone. It depends on if I'm taking any courses or not. If I'm taking it like a college course, I'll do that. But if I'm just in like the summer, like my school off season, I'll just do that basically. <laughs> I'm a I am a big sports fan, so if we have if it's NBA season, playoff season, I'll be watching that. Well, we're about to be in playoff season. Who's your Who's your NBA team? Um, I don't really have one right now. Uh, I'm a big LeBron fan, but that's not going. That I think they're pretty. I think they're out of the playoffs already. And then I was rooting for the Suns because I'm a big Chris Paul fan, but I'm. I'm not sure if I want if I'm still rooting for them or not. I'm a little bit on the border about KD going to the Suns, so I'm not. I'm just gonna watch it and enjoy the show. Lucy, I know you're you're a California kid. If I could encourage you to come on the Sacramento Kings bandwagon with me, they're such a fun team. <laughs> the atmosphere there is electric. They they likely will make the playoffs for the first time in. Maybe your lifetime, honestly. I, I, I forget if, if their drought is over 20 years. Uh, but let me put in a word for the Kings if you need a team come playoff time. All right. Is, is Buddy still there? They traded Buddy. They traded Buddy to okay. Indianapolis. Okay. But we have De'Aaron Fox, DeMontis Sabonis, Kevin Herter, uh, rookie Keegan Murray. It's a fun team. Lucy, what happened to Steph? I thought he was your, your ride or die. Oh, I do love Steph. I love Steph Curry. The Warriors are doing surprisingly worse than I thought they would be doing. But, you know, post-KD Warriors, I will root for. So if they're in contention, yes. if they're in contention in the playoffs, I will be rooting for them. I Oh, and you know, um, I love Steph, but you know who I, lo- I love more is Andre Godala. He follows me on, in- he followed me on Instagram a couple months ago. I'm a huge Iggy fan. I'm trying to get to play play a round of golf with him when I go back to the Bay Area. So I'm working on that. He's one of the nicest people I've ever met. You heard it here first, Andre. If you, when you listen to this, you got, you got to hook her up. When Lucy <laughs> comes back, you got to set up the round. I will. I'll, I'll hit him up on, on, in the DMs. <laughs> Lucy, I, so one of the things I was most curious to ask you, switching gears a little bit here, I think a lot of people, when they hear your name, golf fans remember you as an 11-year-old, 12-year-old girl making her debut at the U.S. Open. There's a lot of different ways we could go with this, but I guess what I'm curious is how, how many people that you come into contact with in and around golf tournaments, I mean, how many people still want to talk about that 2014 U.S. Open, still remember you as that little girl eating ice cream? And how, how do you how do you deal with that? How how is that you know? Because obviously it's like well, now I'm 20 years old. I'm I'm on the LPGA tour. I mean, so much has changed since then. I, I'm I'm curious how you uh, how those interactions go. I, I I guess. Yeah, I mean, I would still I would say that even nowadays, if someone recognizes me, it's usually maybe they'll recognize me because they saw me playing on LPJ last year, but the first thing they'll bring up is definitely the U S open, the ice cream, you know, that's like the first thing people ask me about is ice cream. And I get into, you know, interview questions about that. Every time I get interviewed, basically. Um, I think when I was playing the Dana and I was 
leading or whatever, I'm pretty sure that every single time they put me on the screen, they put a picture of me eating ice cream up on the screen at the same time. And I was like, I mean, I get, I think we get it after the first 10 times you did that. But, <laughs> um, you know, it's a little bit, uh, for me, I, it's a little bit of mixed feelings. I think, uh, A, I'm very, you know, obviously very grateful for that experience. I wouldn't, you know, be who I am without that. And so I think it's, I still think it's really cool that people remember that. Um, and, you know, and then on the other hand, you know, I, I do think I've had a great career since then. And, um, you know, obviously don't want to be just known for that. But, you know, I think that um, kind of just embracing it is uh, not a bad thing. And I just, I think it's good, except for when they show that like 30 times in a broadcast. But yeah, it seems like they, they skim over a lot of other things just to get to that one fact. And, and maybe, you know, who, it's almost like they're intentionally forgetting that you're like not only have played in other LPGA events, but had, you know, have played in majors and had like a, a, an amazing amateur career to back it up with team competitions and everything else. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. I think that uh, my amateur career stands on its own, you know, separate, uh, separately from that, you know, playing the Curtis Cup when I was 15 and being able to do a lot of cool stuff like that definitely is when I look at back in my amateur career, those are the moments I'm proud of. Obviously, I'm very proud of being able to qualify for the Open at 11, but I think that being able to um, have more sustained success over um, kind of that time is something I'm proud of. Yeah, for sure. I think just, I know you brought up your books and, and you're still actively pursuing your degree, which is great for you. I don't think there's a lot of people in your situation who would still put education up at that level and still actively work uh, to like finish your actual work. But was there a time, did you ponder going to college? Did Was that something that was interesting to you or was it always, uh, you know, I'm going to play, finish out my amateur career. And then when I get to uh, the right age and when I feel ready to go, I'm going to turn professional. Um, I would say that, you know, I've, I've, I thought about it, but I always kind of thought, it was important to kind of follow my instincts and my gut and you know all of my friends around me they were committing to colleges and doing all this and I just never it just didn't feel right for me and I always knew that my education was super important to me so I knew that that wasn't something that I was going to give up to go professional so for me I just made the choice that um, I felt the most uh, confident and felt right for me with regards to your golf game, then, um, you turned professional in 2019, I believe late 2019 and had status started out on what was then the Symmetra tour, what is now the Epson tour. And so competed out there, obviously 2020, 2021. And then last year, 2022, uh, you won two times for, for the first time on the Epson tour. I'm just curious how you would assess that build up on the Epson tour and, and what you learned those first couple years and how that's positioned you not only to then start winning last year, but propel you now onto the LPGA tour full time. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, the first year I played with COVID, it was kind of unfortunate because I had a pretty good, uh, I had a good season. I finished eighth on the money list, but with the shorter schedule and almost, you know, they cut the cards that they were giving out in half and the status wasn't very good. So 
that kind of, you know, stalled my, the start of my career. And then going into 2021, I started out okay. And then I kind of, um, well, I started out on the Epson okay. And then I played really well at the Open and the MediHeal out um, in the Bay Area. And so I was feeling really confident. And then I went out on the Epson tour and it just, I don't know what happened. It kind of just fell apart. And so I definitely, after those uh, last few months on the Epson tour, kind of lost a lot of my confidence. Um, you know, golf is a very fickle sport. and But it's tough to build yourself back up when that happens. And that was kind of what I worked on in the through that off season was being able to have confidence going into last season. And so just uh, starting off the gate last year, I felt like um, I kind of tried to shift my focus from results to more of um, being able to enjoy uh, the process a little bit more. And so uh, coming out of the gate, I kind of felt like I was just enjoying uh, being out there and competing way more. And so I think that was a huge part of the reason why I was so much more successful uh, last year than the year before. And definitely went even better than I had hoped it would. So I'm very happy about that. But definitely a lot of lessons that I learned through the tough times. I feel like you learn from the good and the bad, but especially being able to kind of come out of that um, taught me a lot of lessons. And, you know, when even when you're playing well, you kind of have to keep pressing on. What's speaking of lessons, a uh, few few questions I want to ask you, but but most immediately when you say learning lessons, what what's maybe the the biggest lesson that you would tell twelve year old Lucy that that you've learned over these you know last eight years or so since you've been really in like uh, the the national spotlight? I mean, I would probably uh, tell her to not be so hard on herself. Um, that's something that's been tough. Uh, for me, especially having success early on um, was just, I was always really hard on myself and I thought I should have been achieving more. Um, and a lot of that self-pressure, I think, kind of affected me in different points. You know, it's sometimes more than others. And now I've just learned to, you kind of have to forget about your past and like move move forward and um, look at what you can, you know, do better going forward and not really why you should have been doing better, I guess, kind of a thing. Um, that was definitely the biggest lesson I learned in that um, everything happens for a reason and you have to stay patient. The only other thing I was going to ask, you, you had mentioned um, embracing the process, learning to enjoy the process. I, I'm just thinking, you know, does that mean more practice time, more range balls? Does that mean more time in the gym? Does that mean kind of a, a better diet? It, it, does it encapsulate all of those things? Or was there one particular area where, you know, you really felt like you had to embrace the process or the grind a bit more? Um, I would say that I, I guess the process for me was more, I've always enjoyed practicing. So that wasn't, necessarily um what what I had to kind of work on it was more of just enjoying the process of this is what I need to do and if it doesn't necessarily translate into my results as long as I can look back and see that I was doing what I needed to do 
that that was more of what I needed to focus on than say than just being really down on myself because the results weren't there if that makes sense it does we we joke all the time about being process oriented instead of results oriented yeah 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 it's funny that golf you at the end of the week you look up and see your name next to a position on a leaderboard and you can completely judge yourself just based off that single number and not realize like how much good came that week yeah and um you know the margins in golf are so razor thin that you know things can turn really quickly and if you you just can't let your kind of you can't let yourself get in the way of um good golf i think is there anybody that you're reaching out for advice mentors or or people that are kind of part of your team that i I guess others wouldn't kind of expect um well so i'd say well previously i've been super fortunate to have been um in contact with mickey wright and she was my mentor for you know a very long time and i got to learn a lot from her um and you know sometimes i still pull up the emails that we had exchanged um from then and kind of go through them again and just the endless wisdom there was there and also um johnny miller he's he's still my mentor but um he he he's he's retired now so you know he's enjoying his best life and <laughs> i haven't seen him in a while but he's really he's really great and he he gave me a lot of confidence i think uh when i was younger um not necessarily like a ton of um you know, he gave me good advice, um, but it was a lot of just he gave me a lot of confidence because he he taught me different shots and stuff like that. But he was mostly just like there to um, tell me how great I am, I guess. Sometimes you need someone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Sometimes you need you need someone um, outside of, your, you know, yourself or your family to tell you that. And he he was always a, a great uh, mentor and he he calls me champ. And so, you know, it's just really great to have that. Yeah, especially coming yeah. from from him who's like seen and done everything. A phenomenal yeah. person to have around. Yeah, he's really <laughs> great. He's he's less critical in person. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure. I, I miss him. I miss him on the uh on the on the uh, yeah, I, I mean I I really miss him too. The some of the commentating can be a little rough nowadays. Yeah. You could say that for sure. What about your your peers? It seems like you know, not only golf, but specifically women's golf is in a phenomenal place. You have young stars coming up. You're close friends with almost all of them from competing on the same teams to traveling together for AJGA stuff. Some of them are in college now. Others are professional. But, I mean, do you have kind of like a good group that's out there now? Yeah, for sure. Um, especially on the LPJ now, I'm really excited. You know, Lilia Vu and Andrea Lee and a lot of those girls that I've uh, Sophia, a lot of those girls that I played in that um, Curtis Cup team on are on the LPGA now, and so that's really, really awesome. And it's I'm very ex- happy for their success and really excited to be able to travel with them. And also my friends in college, um, you know, the Stanford girls, I'm close with pretty much all of them. And so I'm really excited for them to uh, be done with that and turn pro and be on tour with me. But, yeah, def- I definitely agree that, you know, women's golf is probably in the best spot it's been in for a really long time. And I think it's I'm really excited to see, you know, where we go in the next few years. All right. Bold, bold predictions for this year. What it, let's see. First of all, uh, your game. If you want to say, hey, I'm going to I'm going to win an LPGA event this year. I already said that for you earlier in this podcast. 
so you don't have to worry about it. I already actually, I already crowned you. I said you're probably going to be rookie of the year this year. So I, I have that on you. That's how I feel about you, Lucy. But what about you? What are we expecting? Awesome. I appreciate that. Yeah, I'm definitely. That's um, my. I, this is what I like to say. I like to set goals, not expectations, because I think that they're different. And my goal is definitely to to win, to win on the LPGA. And if I can, if I could win the U.S. Open at Pebble Beach, that would be. I mean, that would. I mean, everyone wants to win the U.S. Open at Pebble Beach, but I just think that would be so so amazing. You know, being close from there, close to there. Um, so those are probably my biggest goals. But also, uh, I'm trying really hard to get onto the Solheim Cup team this year. That's that definitely up there. I think that would be really, really awesome, especially uh, with a lot of my friends who are going to be on the team uh, this year. All right. for I, I want you to do a self-scouting report. For for folks that haven't, you know, that, that just remember you as that little girl eating ice cream, how, how, how do you describe your game, your strengths, maybe, you know, relative weakness here or there. How, how would you describe your game to folks that are going to see you again, not for the first time, but for the first time in a long time this season? I, I would say my strength is definitely my ball striking. Um, I am really good with my short irons and wedges, and I think I hit it surprisingly far for my size. I'm also, uh, I also think people think I'm a lot smaller than I am. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so I've, I've, I've gained a little bit of distance in the off season too. So I think that's going to be, uh, pretty big. I, my rep said I should be in the top 20% of driving distance in the LPGA. So I think that's, that's, that's really good. Um, I, I've been, my relative weakness is probably my putting, but I've been working really hard on that. So I feel pretty confident in, um, that going into this year. Uh, Yeah. Lucy, you talk about adding distance, but what, what have we been doing? Like speed training? You just been hitting the gym really hard. I need some tips, so whatever you can give me. Um, I don't really hit the gym that much, but I yes, I did some did some speed training. Just you know, go out there and hit drivers the Bryson way. Um, <laughs> uh, that's the number one tip for getting distance, I would say. And then I also just don't know why I gained five to 10 yards with my irons. It kind of just came out of nowhere because I wasn't working on that, but that's really exciting because that was definitely my like iron distance has always been lagging behind my driver distance. So I don't know if it just caught up all of a sudden, but that's, that's really good. Just hopefully being able to have shorter clubs in, I'd say the other weakness of my game is that I hit it like, well, it's not necessarily weakness, but I flight it pretty low. So if I play really firm courses, it can kind of, it can be, an issue at times. Um, I've been trying to work on that, but that hasn't really gone anywhere. So now I know why you're lamenting no links courses this year. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Well, Lucy, um, we I, we can't wait to watch you this year. I I think you're such a, a great addition to the LPGA tour. And and as Cody said, I mean the the women's game is in such a fun place right now. Can't wait to watch you. I know I would say enjoy the rest of your off season, but I know you're getting a little antsy and, and can't wait to to tee it up again in, in a real tournament. But uh, enjoy this last month or so before before really starting in earnest and really appreciate your time. Yeah, thank you so much.
I'm excited to get started. Once we get started, we really get started. Yeah. It is kind of a, a long start here, but very compressed once we get the ball rolling. And don't worry, me and Big are going to be there on the 18th hole of Pebble Beach when you raise that trophy. <laughs> That'll be uh, awesome. Thanks, Lucy. Thank you so much. Be the right club. Be the right club today. Yeah. I mean, that's better than most. How about him? That is better than most. Better than most! Expect 